Welcome back to the 411 Podcasting Network. I am your host, Larry Zonka, and this is episode 59 of the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course, the 411mania.com website. Please make sure to subscribe to the show, share us around on social media, call your friends, tell your parents, and if you have time, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Joining me today, as always, is my co-host, Jeremy Lambert. Jeremy, how are you today? I'm well. I've been well shared around on social media. I've gotten around this week. My wife is okay with that. Uh, she doesn't Uh-oh. know about my social media, so that's probably Keep for the best. Level, I see. Yeah, yeah. I don't think she cares to know, honestly. She she knows I'm on Twitter, but I don't think she wants to go down that hellhole uh, and I can't say blame her. Wife, she has no interest in the social media life. <laughs> yeah. So we got some stuff to talk about tonight in the world of wrestling, as always. Uh, New Japan stuff, ROH stuff, WWE stuff. First of all, Jeremy, there is going to be a big New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, press conference coming up uh, in the early morning of Tuesday. Um, There's a lot of speculation actually around the press conference because many expect it to be kind of the traditional Wrestle Kingdom announcement of official announcement of Ibushi and Okada and maybe a couple other Wrestle Kingdom related style things. But according to the Super Jcast folks, which are over on Voices of Wrestling, there is actually tons of rumors going on about uh, things that could be announced at this uh, press conference. Yeah, I I don't know what it is. I, I, I thought the same thing as you, that, all right, it's just going to be a Wrestle Kingdom announcement. And because we saw at the end of King of Pro Wrestling that... Um, Ibushi and Okada squared off. They pretty much made that match official. And, you know, there, there's been a lot of talk of the the double champion thing. So I, that that was another thing that I thought could be the, the big announcement is that, oh, they're going to announce Ibushi Okada and then uh, Jay White. And I, maybe they'll come up with a, a challenger. I would assume it's going to end up being Naito. Um, but they'll come up with a challenger at a power struggle in November and then the the two winners will will meet on the G- January fifth Wrestle Kingdom show. So I thought maybe that could be an announcement, but it seems like it could be like even bigger than that. I mean, we we've both heard the rumors going around that uh, Suzuki might be leaving and Harold Mage might be leaving. I think that's how you say his last name. Uh, so we will we will see shortly. I mean, it's in about two and a half hours from when we're talking right now. So we probably won't still be recording when it happens, but. But we will probably both be yeah, up. Yeah, and uh, your pal Sean Rossap over at Fightful has uh, hinted at some big New Japan news coming. Big Dave Meltzer said there's something really big coming. So that has led to all kind of speculation. You've kind of already mentioned that there's been lots of rumors already about a basically an official slash unofficial Wrestle Kingdom tournament where it'd be four to six guys. And, um, you know, so we could end up with a double champion at the end of things. So that is one possibility I've heard. 
Super Jcast also mentions that there is the possibility, the rumors going around, of a Hiromu Takahashi or Shibata return being announced at the presser, which would also be big news because everybody's been waiting on the possible oh, Hiromu yeah. return and everybody's been wondering since Shibata did that angle if he would actually wrestle or if he would just be part of the angle and a second because he hasn't been cleared yet but is apparently trying to be cleared. Yeah, the Hiromu and Shibata, two things I, I didn't mention, but Hiromu, that, that's been rumored for, I feel like, a year now, and I'm not even sure he's been out for a year, but that, that's that been a rumor for so long that he's finally going to return. I almost feel like that return shouldn't be a press conference. I feel like that should be like done in the ring during a show. Uh, Shibata, on the other hand, would make more sense as a press conference thing because of uh, he's actually retired and no one thought he would wrestle again. And then they did the big angle. So like this is how you make the announcement is at the press conference. So um, those two things are yeah, in both play big. as well. I agree. I'd rather see a Hiromu return like at a show to confront Osprey or someone. Uh, the Shibata thing I think is better set for a press conference because – like you said, he is retired, and there was the whole health situation around it. So it would be a, it would be a big thing, kind of like the uh, like Daniel Bryan announcing his return. So I could see that being used as a press conference. Another thing being rumored is that the ROH partnership could be dead, and they could announce an AEW partnership, which has obviously been speculated on. But then there's also been rumors of. They're not on great terms with AEW, but then a lot of people have thought that was a smokescreen. Um, you know, they're still working with CMLL. Uh, they're going to do the Fantastica Mania tour, but there might be some stress on that relationship because of the Dragon Lee stuff. Jeremy, what do you think? I mean, an AEW partnership would certainly be press conference worthy. Do you think it's actually any chance of it happening? We've discussed this when, when AEW first came around and we kind of saw the cracks in the New Japan ROH partnership in that like New Japan and AEW get so much more benefit if they're partnered with each other than than ROH. Like ROH doesn't benefit New Japan at all right now. And it's clear that ROH kinda or that New Japan kinda sees that. Like they're not really using any of their talent. They don't there's just no benefit for New Japan. ROH obviously has the benefit. They want their New Japan guys, but New Japan gains nothing. But AEW they gain plenty because Jericho's huge, Moxley's huge, Omega's huge. You could bring back the Bucks. You could bring in Co- bring back Cody. You could bring in a lot of different guys who who would fit that uh, New Japan style that that are under AEW contract right now. So that that would certainly make sense. I'm with you. I think it's a smokescreen that they're kind of like, yeah, we're not on the best of terms and stuff. Like if that was true, you you wouldn't have Jericho most likely wrestling at Wrestle Kingdom. Like you wouldn't have put the title on Moxley. Granted, he was uh, most likely going to lose it um, the, last night before weather prevented him. You wouldn't have Moxley saying like, "Yeah, I'm gonna be at, at Wrestle Kingdom." You, you just wouldn't have this stuff if there was 
an actual rift in that partnership. But I, I don't think there is. I think they're they're on good enough terms to where they're using these guys. So they're clearly on some type of, of, of good terms. Yeah, the Bucks have buried them, uh, saying they didn't pay much for World Tag League. And you had best friends. It looked like they were going to be set for a, a good push in New Japan, and they went and signed with AEW. I'm sure that didn't sit well. But you look at just what New Japan has to gain from the companies and it's night and day of, of what ROH is offering compared to AEW. The CMLL is the partnership that really throws a wrinkle into things. But now like even CMLL is kind of being bitches with things with the, the whole dragon Lee stuff. Cause they, they got him pulled from yeah, super speaking junior. Of how League. ROH really has nothing to offer new Japan. You, you spoke about that. And a, a big example of that is the only one they used for the super J cup was Gresham because he's awesome. You have the Super Junior Tag League coming up, and they're using nobody from ROH. And they desperately needed yeah, to they, make teams There's for nothing. So it's like... There, there's nothing, and, and you, you brought it up um, just a couple months ago. I guess it was only weeks at this point. But the Global Wars Tour, it was with CMLL and, and not New Japan, and it just seemed like things were not on good terms right then because usually they they do the global wars tour with new japan and they just they didn't do it and new japan they're running a lot more in the united states and i mean yeah that's gonna affect aew as well but aew is in such a position that is higher than roh even even in america like new japan is is higher on the totem pole than ring of honor right now ring of honor just has no buzz nothing going for it so i i think new japan they're they're run by smart guys i think they see that they don't have any there's no benefit of running with ring of honor while there is plenty of benefit to running with aew and i think aew sees the benefit as well grant they're only an american promotion right now but they do have some traction in japan because a lot of their guys were stars in new japan and we know a lot of those guys liked working for new japan it's okay the bucks buried the world tag league pay but I, they still enjoyed doing those shows. They got over huge in New Japan. They became like more than just spot guys in large part thanks to New Japan. Omega is obviously not where he's at with, without New Japan. There's still a relationship with uh, Kota Bushi. I don't know what it actually is. I would assume that they're just not on speaking terms uh, just because they work for different companies. I, I assume they still talk to each other a little bit. And Cody became a much bigger star thanks to thanks to New Japan. Jericho, I mean, Jericho was doing New Japan stuff when he was still technically with WWE. So all these guys like working yeah, for New so, Japan. So, I mean, again, that would be definitely big and press conference worthy. Who knows if it will happen. I'm fascinated because if that partnership happens, that is another nail in the coffin for Ring of Honor, in my opinion. I I said it, I think, after the after Roosh won the, the title, the Death Before Dishonor show. I, I, I think ROH is on the WWE Network this time next year. I... I just don't see it with this company, Larry. I, I really don't see it. And we're going to talk about their their recent show, Glory by Honor. And I mean, they the the show wasn't anything to write home about. Like there was no buzz for the show going into it. the The matches weren't anything special. And then some of the some of the booking decisions are also. It's like okay, 
what are you doing here? This company just has nothing yeah, going it, for it. It kind of doesn't, dude. I mean, it's we're not trying to be assholes about it. It's just like you look at the recent attendance, you look at the state of the TV they're running, you look at the the whole lack of buzz. Like I put up my live coverage, and I said, "Yes, there is an ROH show tonight," and people were like, "Wait, seriously?" I mean, and it wasn't even like joking. Like no, people didn't realize. No one. <laughs> yeah, we. You know, you covered it because you covered everything. At Fightful, we didn't cover you – know, I did the quick results for it, but we didn't even have live coverage for it because it's just like, why why bother? Just there's no buzz for this company, absolutely none. And it sucks because, you know, ROH, I mean, we we remember the, the glory years where it was like the independent company, and nowadays it's – there's just a lot of misfires. It's been a lot of misfires over the years. And I mean, they're, this is what happens when you pay Matt Taven triple. <laughs> Do you think ROH was bidding against itself and they just didn't? Uh, probably. That's <laughs> what it feels like. <laughs> do you, like, Honestly, do do you really think like NXT was like, yeah, we're going to make Matt Taven this big contract offer and AEW was like, we're going to make him this big contract offer. Like no knock on Matt Taven. His world title reign obviously didn't set the ROH business on fire. In fact, it was the complete opposite. But we did praise his in-ring work um, during his world title reign. He had good matches. His promo work, I, I'm not a fan of, but I'm sure somebody You're out not there, a Mark fan Rattle, of him likes it. Saying, I'm um, Matt Taven. <laughs> yeah and Colin calling me a Fuck Melvin I don't even know what that means um it's you know like was this guy really desired by these other companies to where ROH was like we gotta pay him triple hey, you know what if he what talked he would to ROH in into believing that like, good really? for him for getting paid but yeah I, I hear what you're saying yeah he's, the, he's Kevin Nash so, of his time yeah I mean but yeah it's, that's what that's why Mike Kanellis wants out. He's like, shit, Taven cut triple down there in NXT and treated like a god, even though business is down. Here I, like, uh, fucking Mike Bennett is, or Mike Kanellis is paid very he's, well. He's I'm reportedly sure, making five hundred grand. But he's probably like, I, I mean, I, I yeah, get that. So, I get that he actually well, wants that's to what work and stuff. But like, making. Christ, dude, just take the money. You got two kids now. Uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. Like, I understand his desire to work. And if that's the case, I don't know why they just can't put him on these live events. Honestly, what, what are you hurting if you're going to put him on these live events? That, that's one thing I don't quite get about WWE, it, but I do get it, is that we know why they're paying these guys. It, they're paying them because they don't want them to go elsewhere. But let's be honest, if Mike Kandelis hits the free agent market and goes to AEW, ROH, really anywhere, no one's going to be like, oh shit, Like this is a game changer right here. Like They can afford to let these guys go. But if you're going to pay them this money, like use them. Uh, on, just, just use them. Make them earn that paycheck instead of paying them to sit at home. Like Just, just put them on live events. Exactly. It's not going to hurt anybody. So apparently Mike uh, Mike uh, Canellis, not a fan of my two hundred five live reviews, blocked me on Twitter, which I find hilarious. 
he only has one tweet. He deleted all of his tweets except for the one where he publicly asked for his release. He deleted his essentially his whole account because Leo Rush yeah, was, was clowning him on Twitter. Uh, so moving on with this New Japan stuff, <laughs> another thing uh, rumor brought up by the Super J cast, and this one would definitely be huge ramifications is Japan. There are rumors of New Japan acquiring all Japan. That that would certainly be huge. I don't know much about All Japan. I can't say that I follow any of All Japan unless I hear about some great match. And I, I see some stuff, but yeah, I'm not a avid All Japan watcher. But I know that the All Japan history dates back many, many decades. And like if they're going out of business and New Japan is acquiring them, then that's a pretty yeah. big get. That pretty much... Like it almost monopolizes the the Japan market. I guess Noah is still around in some capacity, but and then you got other like Dragon Gates there and whatnot. But like all Japan, for all intents and purposes, as far as I know, was the number two promotion yeah, so in it, Japan. That would be definitely fascinating, especially because you'd be bringing in like Kento Miyahara, who's their champion, who is awesome, and um, just a guy I wish I had more time to watch more of because I don't have a ton of time to cover all Japan, unfortunately. But um. That would definitely shake things up. You would bring in fresh people, obviously. Um, they're running more shows than ever, so I could see the attraction. Plus, you know, you're locking up guys and everything. Uh, that would definitely shake things up, and that would definitely be press conference worthy. I don't know. I don't know the exact like For sure. percentage I'd put on that. It doesn't. I haven't heard a lot of uh, rumors about all Japan looking to sell or anything lately. But again. I mean, sometimes a lot of that business shit in Japan really flies under the radar until it happens. So. Yeah, it's it's it would be fascinating if the big announcement is that they have purchased all Japan because you really don't hear about any of that. And granted, I don't follow japan business that that much outside of the new japan stuff so maybe they are in more trouble than that has been let on especially publicly and usually like that's how this stuff kind of happens is these companies are in more trouble than you would kind of think like i you know when wcw went out of business everyone knew that all right they're they're losing money the ratings are way down like their their tele their television sucks the pay-per-views are down and stuff but you know, look at the forces behind the scenes that had to happen for WCW to actually go out of business and to be purchased by WWE. And granted, the internet wasn't a big of a thing at the time, but there wasn't a whole lot for those weeks leading up. It didn't seem like there was a whole lot of, hey, this company is definitely going out of business in two weeks. It seemed like, you know, two weeks before they went out of business, they just yeah, operated I mean, the as normal. Yeah, the big stuff leading up to the end of WCW was the whole Bischoff and Fusion Media was going to buy it. And that was going to be the big story. And then all of a sudden that deal suddenly came to a halt. And then the next thing you know, WWF was buying the company and for a fucking fraction of what it was worth. Jesus Christ. Talk about an investment. The WWE purchased a WCW for just under $5 million. First of all, it was worth it just for that video library alone with the network now, but just like to buy out your competition for that little bit of a money and add a certain level of talents on top of it and everything. It's just, it, it's still mind boggling in 2019 how that happened. 
It really, it really is. Uh, if if social media had been a thing back then, I can't imagine uh, what would have happened. The the internet may have broken for all we know. But yeah, they. I mean, it was a complete bargain. I I think they probably made that money back on just the the Monday Night Wars DVD that they were able to produce because, I mean. That DVD was a big seller. And then whatever they paid for ECW, they probably made that shit back on that rise and fall of, of ECW DVD that they were able to produce. Back when they, they'd produced these great DVDs and you actually wanted to go get DVDs. Now they just produce this content for the network. But like those were two of my favorite DVDs after you know the the big purchase happened i can't i can't tell you how many times i watched both of them so they easily made their money back on that stuff and now especially with several the network, times all that stuff has a home back with ease it's insane really uh, and then another another rumor coming out from the super jcast folks is uh a not a purchase but a partnership with stardom to combat the rumored uh start of nxt japan which would maybe feature a women's title match at Wrestle Kingdom or two. Okay. I'm I'm for that. I think that's the better route to go than especially if it leads to, you know, stardom events being on New Japan World, because they if do. I don't know if stardom has their own uh, okay, so they do have their own streaming service. So that that's a little bit disappointing. I'm not sorry. I'm not paying for a, a stardom streaming service. If, if it gets grouped into the New Japan World stuff, I'll gladly watch it. But I pay enough money for all these streaming services, and I don't have enough time to watch half of it anyway. So, But that would be a good thing because yeah, I'm kind of sick of people arguing about that shit on Twitter, how New Japan just doesn't have any women's wrestling and it gets annoying to to see these arguments. So at least if they do a partnership with stardom, they will maybe not have women's wrestling on every single show, but I, they would likely have a women's match, at least one. It sounds like, you know, at least on Wrestle Kingdom. And then hopefully for these bigger shows, you you do these matches um, on, on the bigger shows as well, like, like Power Struggle, like uh, Destruction, like um, King of Pro Wrestling. So hopefully if that's what it is, then it leads to some more women's wrestling in, exactly. on that New Japan. That would be definitely interesting. I kind of like the idea of it. And like you said, I'm sick of hearing people bitch about it because I understand that people want women's wrestling and they want it everywhere and they feel New Japan is one of the biggest companies in the world should have it. But the other thing that comes with that is New Japan has to book their company well first. Like, we talk about how the tag divisions are not booked well at all and stuff like that. So, I mean... But yeah, like the occasional stardom match popping up on a big show and cutting out a useless random 6-8 man tag would be good with me. Yeah, you could headline... Even some of these, like, I, maybe it would seem like a, a step down for these Road 2 shows, but even some of these Road 2 shows, if you want to spice those up a little bit, like, hey, you're going to get uh, a stardom, a women's match here, maybe a women's title match as a headlining or, or a co-main event. I mean, how many times on these Road 2 shows... It's it's just the same pairings over and over again. You you throw one of these women's title matches or just a women's match in general on these shows, and it exactly. adds a little so bit to that. Them. Would definitely be interesting and would shake things up over there. Obviously, uh, you would have to think if it was some kind of partnership that the exposure would likely help Stardom uh, from an attendance standpoint going forward, which would be good for them. 
Um, so again, very interesting. And again, these are all rumors we're talking about. We have no idea. Just lots of stuff going around. And there's one more that they mentioned, and I've been told this one is not actually a possibility, but again, could be a smokescreen. Uh, rumors of a Hiroshi Tanahashi retirement announcement. Um, yeah, I'm not really buying that one either. It's, it would, I mean, the dude can still go like Liger's 54 and can still go. I I feel like Tanahashi might be in in that similar kind of way where he's still going when he's 50 and whatnot. So yeah, I, I'm not putting too much stock into, uh, uh, Tanahashi, yeah, I'm not Potential either, especially because they've been really smart with how they use him. They, you know, he's he's downgraded on the card from time to time. They heat him up for the G1 and for the occasional big match. Still, he delivers, and as long as he's happy and feels he can still go, no need to rock the boat there. And I, I would be very disappointed if that was uh, the uh, the announcement because I would just I think that'd be a shame. But you know, again, if you know, it could be that. If it is a reality, let's look at it from the aspect that it could be. Maybe it's just the fact that he's just sick of being so beaten up and injured that he's like, you know what, it's time. And that would definitely be a sad day. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, losing Tanahashi and Jushin Liger essentially within the same year, if, if they both go out at Wrestle Kingdom, that wouldn't be very good either like new japan is still stocked with talent but you're losing legit two legends at the same event and that that's not going to hurt help them Uh, no matter how much talent they have like losing those two it would be a a pretty significant blow to the company honestly so that is the rumors on the big new japan news jeremy what do you what do you think it's going to be? What what's your if you had to make a prediction on what it's going to be? What's I think your pick? they're definitely going to make Wrestle Kingdom announcements um, regarding Ibushi and Okada, and I think if anything, they're going to confirm that the IC title match will be also on the uh, first night, and that the winners will face off the second night. All right. Well, that that one seems obvious. I want you know. I, I don't. The, I don't have any inside here. news, I man. I don't know. I'd just be guessing. <laughs> it's not inside news. They just you know what? What's a just a bold prediction on? Fine. They're what, gonna tell ROH and the be. Lizard Man to fuck off, and they're gonna go with AEW. <laughs> there you go. That's what I like to hear. I'm going with the the Shibata announcement. I I think they announced that, that Shibata great. is returning. So we will see what happens. I'm with you that it's we're most likely. I think the one guaranteed thing would would be the Wrestle Kingdom kind of mini tournament where it ends with a, a double champion at the end of it. I think that is more or less a guarantee at this press conference. Uh, here's here's my other question: Would you be let down if that is the only announcement? Uh, not really. I mean, because I mean, it's be, it's not like New Japan is hyping some super gigantic announcement. The hype is coming from other places. You know, like like you know, Dave dropped right. that there's I, he has he heard that there's big news coming from New Japan. He'd be talking about it. Uh, Sean mentioned it. The Super J cast guys mentioned it. And that's no disrespect to any of those guys. It's just like that's what they're hearing. But sometimes that's not what happens. So if if New Japan came out and said we're yeah, having I, a blockbuster press conference and news you can't miss, and that 
all they announce is the double title thing, yeah, then I'm like, well, big fucking deal. We all figured that out like three months ago. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Their, you know, their tease for it has basically just been it's a Wrestle Kingdom press conference. It's news regarding Wrestle Kingdom, and so, and, and that's it. And so, if they deliver that, then great. It's it's everyone else, and it, it's as you said, not a knock against these guys. It, it's the same thing with like a, um, you know, a, a CM Punk appearing in w, on WWE or, or AEW, you know, they keep telling you this isn't going to happen, but everyone's just like, oh, we'll, we know he's in Chicago. We know he's met with Fox. Like, it could happen. It could happen. But they're just, you know, the actual companies aren't actually, aren't saying, yeah, you know, we got this big thing in store. It, they're, they're all silent on it. Like, even Punk in the week leading up to the Fox show, he's just like, yeah, I met with him. That that was it. He wasn't saying, I'm definitely going to be at Raw. Stay tuned to Raw or uh, SmackDown on Friday. Like, make sure you're you're watching that show. He's like, I'm going to be fucking watching hockey myself. So I don't care if you watch SmackDown. So I'm with you. New Japan is not the one putting the hype into this. And so if they don't deliver on something huge like we expect them to, then it's not on them. Will I feel a little disappointed? Maybe, because it's it's sort it's similar to kind of the all out feeling where I was just waiting for a big thing to happen at the end of the show and they just closed with Jericho. And that's that's sort of the cachet that the, these companies have, have built up that we, you know, when we hear something big is going to happen, we sort of expect something big to happen, even if they're not outright, even if the company themselves aren't saying, Hey, something yeah, big so is going I, to happen. I mean, I'm interested to see what it ends up being, but I'm not, I'm not setting my sights super high. I mean, if something huge happens, I think it's going to be, I mean, that's really cool. If something big happens, especially if it's, something kind of shocking like the all Japan purchase or something like that. That would be just crazy. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I I have tempered expectations. I'm kind of expecting a, uh, you know, par for the course press conference, but if something big happens, awesome. I'm with you. I'm excited. We're about two hours uh, away. We're going to head over to WWE land. Jeremy, we had the big draft, a two night extravaganza. And uh, the rosters are allegedly set for now. The wild card is allegedly dead. And they're going to have these rosters going forward. So I go to you first. What did you think of the overall presentation of the draft this time? I've been wanting for years, years. We we discussed this when they did the Superstar Shake-Up earlier this year. Um, and, and talk about the, the presentation of that. For years, I've been wanting them to present like an actual draft style, like the NBA or the NFL or any other sports league does. Like that, that's what I've wanted. They did that this year. Was it the greatest thing in the world? Was it a complete home run with how they presented it? No. But they gave me what I wanted as far as the presentation of the draft goes. So I can't knock that. Did the, the, the NBC Fox crossover stuff like you could tell the, those guys didn't actually know what they were talking about. They were fed like, hey, just talk about Seth Rollins and how cool he is. Talk about how cool Ricochet is. And you got uh, the NFL guys were like Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, and I was Hulk absolutely Hogan dying at guys the fucking who, NFL and Fox guys bringing up all the old timers and dead wrestlers as their favorites. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, like you can tell pretty much none of these guys outside of, I guess, Glazer watches the, the, the product. And so it's like, all right, this is, we know why you're doing this. My favorite one was the NHL one to on Raw where Keith Jones is, he sucks anyway when it comes to just NHL analysis and he's a sourpuss and you could tell he wanted nothing to do with this nonsense like smirking through it like yep your guys are just paying me and I'm gonna sit here and act like uh, this is fun but this is really stupid and that's what sometimes it did come across as and that doesn't make your product look great the war room stuff was it was dumb I I don't know I the, I like Cletus. That's I'm glad my man Cletus the was there was for Fox. The he seemed like the smart one in the room. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm glad Cletus was there. But, you know, they gave me the presentation style. It wasn't it wasn't GMs. They said, like, the, these are who the network wanted. And I, I thought that was a nice touch. I thought Stephanie McMahon as, like, the commissioner announcing these picks was a, a nice touch as well. So I like the presentation of it, and I like that they're, they're teasing a blockbuster trade. The problem is, obviously, they... They put out the list and they fucked up and they leaked their own order. So that wasn't a good look. And then they said, well, everyone else is a free agent. And then they come back a couple days later. And it's like, all right, here's who got drafted after the draft. Like, wait, they're free agents. Shouldn't it be they were signed? Like, I want them to like fully lean into the sports thing and have like uh, Adrian Wojnarowski of like, hey, here in, you know, uh, Cesaro, he's meeting with Fox executives today to see see what they think. He's going to meet with uh, USA Networks today uh, to, you know, see what kind of plans they have for him. And then they they, bake, they break the big signing when it happens. They break the big trade. Like, I want WWE to have their own Woj. So I like that they're leaning into sports. I actually think they could lean into it more and it could come off a little bit more professional and less I want Jay Glazer WWE. to pop up with a video tonight saying that uh, SmackDown actually broke the salary cap with the Brock Lesnar signing so that the, they have to go with the trade. Yeah. And, uh, they have to empty about eight salaries and only pick up like two in return and a conditional draft pick for next year. <laughs> I see, like, this is the stuff that I, I 100% want. I wanted, like, the last pick to be... I, it should have been like Cesaro and then you stash him in NXT UK and then you can bring him yeah, over whenever you want stuff like that. Yeah. Like that, that stuff appeals to, to me as a sports fan. I get why they can't do quite everything like that. Like there's no salary cap in WWE, especially on fucking Fox. They're spending whatever they want. Um, so I, I get why they can't do that stuff, but that that's the, that's the fun stuff that I enjoy. I, I hope this trade is actually like, I'm looking forward to the WWE backstage show with Renee and Booker tomorrow. I guess it's just a, a preview show. Um, but I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I want to see how they're actually going to present WWE because they are going with a sports-centric kind of thing, and I know that doesn't seem like that's actually happening when you watch that ending of Raw, but they're trying to be a little bit more sports-oriented, yeah, and I appreciate see, that. Because there's been a lot of rumors that it's going to be similar to kind of like UFC Tonight and stuff like that and kind of talk about like the news and stuff with WWE and we'll see how that goes. It, it could be interesting, but yeah, I, I like some of the presentation tweaks. It was much better than 
have a random match, and then you have the the pressure lock screen with the and then Apollo Cruise. <laughs> no you know, it's like what? It's like no, get that shit out of here. And I, I did feel it was a little more interesting. I, I I do agree with what you said. Though. I do like some of the more like actual sports centric things they tried to do with it. I would have loved for them to be like, you know, the big dog Roman reigns to SmackDown, and then Roman comes back out, puts a SmackDown hat on, gives Stephanie a hug. You know, <laughs> does the whole, like the commissioner shit. You know? I was, yeah, I was waiting for that with at least the, the first picks because the, the first picks, you know, they did it five per round essentially. And like, I, I was waiting for at least the first picks to, to come out and put on the t-shirt and, and do all of that whole nonsense. And I'm sure a lot of people would have laughed at that and it would have looked kind of corny, but I, I think it would have been funny as well. Yeah. Just yeah. trying something different instead of, yeah. cause we always talk about like the sterile WWE presentation. And it'd be just like something different. So yeah, so like I did have to laugh though with some of the draft pick reactions in the quote unquote war rooms. Like Natalia picked the wrong, like the USA networks going wild. It's like, oh fucking come on. It's like N- Natty's own family is not excited that she was drafted to Raw. It's like what? They should have they should have said when Natalia got picked to Raw, they should have cut to the Fox War Room cheering. It would have been great if for someone like just someone who's like never on TV, like tonight, like Liv Morgan, if they would have showed like Liv Morgan at home in her living room with her family, you know, because like obviously yeah, she's not going to be live with been... the draft because she's never on TV, and then she's all surprised she was drafted. Just yeah, little shit like that is just like it's different. It's kind of amusing, and I appreciate it. So that actually would have been really good if they cut to to live more i i should have had the the draft green room like ray slipped <laughs> horribly and and ray should have just been back there like with dominic all banged up and shit and being like like why am i not getting picked like he's, he's, he's just fast <laughs> this would have been good yeah we should have booked the draft uh I, I, I like the sports presentation. I think that was um for WWE that was probably as yeah, good as And I did get. like that they tried to sell it as network versus network because it makes more sense than show versus show. Agreed. So Agreed. And because they don't have authority figures, thank God, you know, there's no authority figures out there to d- do their own draft thing. And yeah, show versus show it, I still think they could have made that work. The problem is they just never leaned into it enough until they Survivor Series when on Raw and SmackDown invaded. What right. the hell are the and SmackDown the guys doing here? Year. It's like um, they work for the same fucking company, guys. Yeah, they do it, it every year. <laughs> right. It, it's legitimately it was the same angle every single year, and it was the same you know five on five match or, or same you know Raw versus SmackDown matches, and the one time a year. The, the brands collide and you know raw always won and shit and it, and even though it was like oh these are for brand supremacy it was like never mentioned again so it never actually mattered it, yeah they they never really 
delved into that the way they really could have. And now hopefully with network versus network, it certainly makes a lot more sense with the two shows being on different networks and two like highly rated networks. Not like one's on uh, USA and the other one's on UPN or, or sci-fi. Like this is Fox and USA, the, the number one cable network and a, uh, a, a actual like big time network. So I, I think that that works and I hope they, they kind of keep up with that and stuff. I hope we do get like trades and and whatnot. Like I hope at some point Fox is like, all right, we're, we're not really using this guy. We're not seeing enough of them on TV. You know, maybe raw with three hours, they value him a little bit more. So we'll make this deal and try to get somebody in return. Like, I, I think that would be some yeah, cool I stuff. Yeah, I really dive into that, some of that stuff. Cause I think it would make it just, it would be way more interesting than the run of the mill stuff they normally do. Yeah, exactly. And which probably so, means we're not going to. Uh, so we'll kind of we'll go through the draft here. We'll give some quick hits on the draftees. Uh, one thing I did, a couple things I noticed is a lot of guys kind of didn't change brands. Uh, a lot of people kind of stayed on the show they were on, although not a lot of people knew which show a lot of people were on. So I guess that doesn't matter. Um, and then you had a fair amount of two hundred five live guys drafted to shows. Which I don't think bodes well for the future of 205 Live, as there's been a lot of rumors that that's on the way out. Yeah, Karis Tozawa got picked before the fucking king, Baron Corfin. So uh, somebody really values Akira Tozawa. Uh, the, I'm glad you knew who was like on the actual brand beforehand, because when they were getting drafted, I was like, what brand was he actually on? It is completely run together for me with yeah, the stupid wildcard wild rule. Never comes back. It's dead. I mean, do you follow yeah, the WWE on Fox that. Twitter account? They're good. Oh, they, they're, they're I'd really be good. I'm glad that reporter. that was great. Yeah, they did. They they've got some good tweets. I'm glad that I think they hired. I don't know who's running things. the account, but. I'm, I mean, great. I'm glad that they they're they're showing like that kind of snark though, because you almost have to nowadays. You can't just be an official account and just all right, tweet your little advertisements and and clips and stuff. Like you get so many replies and whatnot that it's very easy to reply back to this and, and dunk on some of that stuff. And if people yeah. eat that shit I mean, up yeah, on Twitter too. Like everyone loves like one of those bullshit like press release things where it's like we at the fox network have talked with the usa network and have decided that the wild card role will no longer commence as we are separate shows and blah 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 instead they put up like a fucking moratorium graphic (laughs) it's like that's funny and like i like that yeah yeah i i wish more like official twitter accounts like you see it all the time with sports leagues um if you follow any of the official team accounts uh some of them are very bland and like the the fucking thunder okc thunder twitter account sucks but then you got something like the la kings twitter account where they're making fun of you know if the team's like down four to one it's like well that didn't go i i don't know if you saw one uh it, it was a blowout it was like some division two team and they, they maybe it wasn't but they ended up losing like 54 to, to 27 but they were down 54 nothing and so they scored 27 straight and the final tweet was like 
27 unanswered points with a bunch of exclamation parks, but then the final exclamation points and then, but the final score graphic was them losing 54 to 27. Like stuff like that is fun. I think it's good to, you kind of like, like we always say, even with our show here. So kind of got to be willing to make fun of yourself at times. It's just, it is what it is. Yeah. And wrestling's so stupid. That's what I was going to say. We're fucking talking about professional wrestling. It's like, I love it to death, but it's like, come on, man. It is not the most serious thing in the world. Literally the I mean, dumbest thing in the up world. For- <laughs> Dude, we, we saw this. This guy's getting his shit burned down for the second straight year. Uh, was it? Oh, maybe not the second straight year. God, but still, he's still getting his, his premises burned down for the, the second time in three years now. And like th- this is your main event. I'll act tell you what, what's, what's a shame. It's a shame that Progressive is the sponsor for Fox because that would make actually for an awesome State Farm commercial. Because those State Farm commercials are actually funny. <laughs> and like, did you see dude doing like the whole? Yep, happened back in 2015. And Bray said he wouldn't need fire insurance. We tried to tell him. <laughs> Uh, I mean, progressive should get on that. That's definitely more of a, a State Farm thing. But shit, I, you know, we're supposed to see these WWE stars being integrated Flo in this stuff. I, I would love to see that. <laughs> he could uh, like eat the face off of that little Jimmy Dork or whatever the fuck his name is, and yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> All right, so we're starting SmackDown roster, Jeremy. We start off. Let's do kind of quick hits. The big dog Roman Reigns of SmackDown. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Uh, the Fiend. That one was weird. I thought he was definitely going to be on Raw, but he's on SmackDown, and we'll see what happens there. We will get to see what what The Fiend can, can really do, I feel like, it, because there, there's, there's a big split on him right now where a lot of people love everything he's doing eating up and then there's other people who are like okay it's it's goofy and it's not drawing anything so why do so many people like that he's gonna be on fox they're gonna push him i i'm sure you saw bray wyatt going around to the the local fox shows before hell in a cell and doing the weather and shit so they can put him on these shows as mr rogers bray wyatt and and get some mileage out of that so we'll see Inter- certainly interesting i thought Blockbuster he was definitely gonna trade possibility number one the fiend and the puppets to raw for cedric alexander and buddy murphy Early speculation. Sure. I'm fine with that so, trade. Uh, I'm fine with that trade. Yeah, according Heard to sources. sources. Uh, Sasha Banks going to SmackDown to be with Bailey. Yeah, I a little weird. Like, I'm fine with it. But, you know, Becky and Charlotte were all over the Fox advertisements. And they both ended up on Raw. And, I mean, Fox had to get something. I really, the four horsemen, horsewomen were your four biggest stars. And so you're probably going to split them up across the, the two brands. And Sasha and Bailey yeah, end up on SmackDown. I was thinking it was going to be... Um... I thought Sasha was going to win the title and her and Charlotte would end up on Raw and then Becky would be on SmackDown with um, Bailey, but uh, totally wrong on that one. So that would be that would that's what it looked like it was going. But you have to remember that would mean Rollins would have to be on SmackDown as the Universal Champion. (laughs) 
No, no, no. But well, I, I don't they're care. engaged. They're going to be married. They're not splitting up. They're not splitting them up Listen, on the he, two he different gets the brands. Fuck Becky Lynch. So, like, I, mean, I care sure. about him feeling bad being separated. I don't. Okay? I really don't. <laughs> Plus, he's All a fucking right. geek in it. He's a fucking geek. He's gonna come geek burn your care. house down now. Beat the shit out of him with my prosthetic leg. <laughs> Shit's bulletproof and fireproof. He can't fuck with me. But no, I really don't care about Seth anyway. Uh, Braun Strowman getting sent to the blue brand. Yeah, that's that was a pretty big surprise because I think Strowman is kind of a a Heyman guy, and so him going to Fox is different. It's good though; like he's never really been on SmackDown. I feel like he's always been on Raw, so it'll be a, a nice change yeah, of scenery. If nothing well, else. I saw him, like you said, is more of a Paul Heyman guy. So, uh, Lacey Evans going to SmackDown. Yeah, it's a uh, she's sure. fine. It's just. She's damaged because they brought her up and feuded her with Becky too early. So, and then they teamed her with Natalia after they spent. I love that Natalia comes out because there's nobody other. I'd rather team with than somebody that was uh, you know, took me to the limit. I'm thinking Beth Phoenix is 200 feet away. <laughs> yeah, like really, there's nobody like Naomi. Ronda Rousey, I know she wasn't coming back, but Rousey, yeah, Beth Phoenix. There's literally nobody that you'd rather team with than the woman who has disrespected your your family and your I, legacy. I kind of shook my head at that one. So, uh, the revival staying on SmackDown as the Smack, or they weren't on SmackDown, but they were the SmackDown Tag Team Champions, and they're staying. Yeah, I mean that's that's cool. I hope I my hope we see more. My only disappointment to them going to SmackDown is that Orton went to Raw, and I actually really enjoyed their little trio. Yeah, I I agree. I, I liked uh, Revival RKO, um, and I would have liked to to see more of that. But I guess maybe Randy Orton will be part of the big Bray blockbuster the trade. It's for Randy Orton. That's a good deal for SmackDown. <laughs> that's a good deal, actually. Yeah. Uh, Lucha House yeah. Party leaving 205 Live and WWE Main Event for SmackDown. Uh, I like Lucha sure. House Party. They're a fun little act. They're never going to get pushed, but they're a lot of fun. I agree. I think all three oh, of those Metalli, guys are, are super talented, and I wish they... Get some kind of run. Yeah, like I think all of them should get some type of a push because they're all talented. It's just... I don't have any faith in that happening, so they're just going to be guys. Stakes and weights, heavy machinery staying on SmackDown. It's cool. I, I like heavy machinery. They're they're fun, but, you know, like we'll, we'll see. Apollo Crews staying on SmackDown, a guy they could do a lot more with, but probably won't. Yep. Uh, the, this is this was my feeling when I was like actually watching the draft on Friday night is I was really excited about it because, you know, the promise of change and everything. And it's like, OK, cool. And, and the way the presentation was going to come off, I was like, oh, they're really they're doing the sports thing that we talked about. So I was excited. And then like you start seeing these draft picks and I'm just like, I don't care about any of these guys. Not not that I don't care about them, not, not that I don't think they're talented, but I'm just like. 
Right. Like Apollo Crews is, is cool. I wish they would do something with him, But at the same time, I'm like, all right, why do I give a fuck that like Apollo Crews got drafted? He's been on TV like three times yeah, since he got much. called up. Uh, the law has left 205 live. Drew Gulak coming to SmackDown. And fine, I like Drew Gulak. I, I hope he, he does well on SmackDown, or maybe he's there because 205 Live Yeah, I mean, bodies. obviously he can still do 205 Live if they're g- going to keep taping afterwards, but uh, I, I need Drew Gulak versus Daniel Bryan, my friend. Yeah, I, I need Drew Gulak so, versus uh, a lot kind of people. I'm kind of excited for that because they, they seem to really like Drew. He has a lot of potential. Heath Slater gets out of WWE main event purgatory and heads over to SmackDown to be a dude and stay in catering. Yeah, I don't like Tamina sure. remains Heath Slater. And she's on SmackDown. Awesome. Other people that are still employed for reasons, the B team are on SmackDown. <laughs> cool. Uh, and then we start uh, getting into some more serious names. We got Brock Lesnar announced on Raw going to SmackDown, the WWE champion of the world. Yeah, it made sense because uh, he's the WWE champ that he would be on SmackDown. I like that Raw picked Rollins over Lesnar because it showed a little bit more importance to Seth Rollins. Like I think it helped boost his stock a little bit and Rollins does have two victories over him uh this year so I I think it made sense to like yeah we would want Seth Rollins over Brock Lesnar I don't think they hammered that home enough but yeah that's uh, one thing that we talk about the WWE commentary people just like to go well the WWE commentary is not good well that's an easy blanket statement to make it's not good because they didn't hammer home shit like what Jeremy just said they should have been going, obviously the WWE Network picked Seth Rollins over Brock Lesnar because he beat him twice, and because he's had such success, they should have hammered the shit out of that talking point, but didn't. So that that's why yeah, the commentary definitely. teams are bad, I... because they ignore shit like that that's actually important. So, um... Yeah, uh... I, I agree. I mean, that's why I said it. I don't like trying to like have to explain things for for WWE, but you know, WWE is very weird in that they will either under explain or, or give no explanation, they or they will just over explain. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's no middle ground when it comes to WWE. The new day stuff. on SmackDown. That's good. I I like this pick for uh for SmackDown the the at Fox executives because they it's a three for one pick. So yeah, exactly. So I I like this pick. The New Day are great. I I think especially on Fox, like if they're gonna do this crossover stuff that they keep talking about, and we we've seen a little bit. But especially if they're going to really hammer that now that the show is actually on Fox, like New Day is perfect for a lot of that stuff. They can pop up on their fucking, I don't know what sitcoms Fox has nowadays, but New Day could easily pop up on those sitcoms. Simpsons. Simpsons is still going. You can put New Day on those. 
Yeah, like you could easily do that. You know, they could do all these commercial spots. Kofi is fantastic on all these like talk shows and stuff because you know he's not going to say anything out of line. He's going to give you very good and smart answers that that play well on television. He's going to have fun. Like Xavier is is the same way, and Biggie Biggie goes a little bit off the cuff, uh, a little more than the other two. So maybe the they'll want to keep him away from some of those talk shows, but. I'm sure if he knows the deal, he's he's gonna mind his manners. But like, I think they could get a lot of mileage out of just the yeah, promotion I agree. of it's New a Day. Smart pick. Daniel Bryan staying on SmackDown, obviously good for the brand because Daniel Bryan is awesome. So um, yes, agree. Don't piss off Pam Bailey, the SmackDown Women's Champion, staying on SmackDown. What did you think of the uh, the heel turn and title win on SmackDown? I thought it was great. What I mean, once she, it was, it was telegraphed because like once she murdered the the Bailey buddies, which I was all for. I thought that was awesome. And you know, she had the new haircut. It's like, all right, either she's winning the title or you're completely burying this thing right off the bat. And that made me a little concerned that oh shit they might completely bury this thing but then i forgot like they're in such a rush to give charlotte her 17th title victory that they're just gonna keep having her do these like two-day reigns to to get there faster um i thought it would have made more sense if charlotte had beaten her on the show and then you know charlotte can sound smackdown bailey could have i guess that you wanted to have bailey and sasha together to make them both happy um but at any rate I, I thought Charlotte could have beaten her and then Bailey like this that's when she went into kind of madness after another loss then she decided to murder the Bailey buddies after she lost but it, I liked it it was good I'm I'm all for this uh new Bailey character yeah, and I, I, I like brought her up the Bailey heel turn like when we talked about her turn heel I brought it up weeks ago that she needed to freshen up her look she needed to murder the Bailey buddies I jokingly said stab them to death and that's basically what she did um, so yeah, I mean, it was long overdue. I, I hate that they did the, the title run only because it was really only done to give Charlotte another title reign. Everybody's like, no, no, no. It was to solidify Bailey. No, it wasn't. The, 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 yes, they, they turned her heel and I love the new look and everything. And I think there's a ton of potential there, but please don't, don't wear the rose colored glasses and think that Bailey is their top priority over Charlotte in this scenario. It was a five day title reign <laughs> it was completely unnecessary outside of just giving charlotte another title reign well, but at least, we've at seen least this it was a better lot than with her, charlotte like, even a title run and uh, money in the bank yeah yeah but i mean like we we've seen this a lot with charlotte is she just wins the title and she she doesn't hold it for very long and that's that that's what it is and we know why they're doing it it's just kind of it doesn't make it feel very meaningful like when she finally gets to 16 and 17 it's like okay great like what charlotte title run do you actually remember yeah i don't like name me a good charlotte title run where she had just very good matches and she held it for like six months and she had a six know. month i can't remember because they're just runs. all running together because there's been so many in like four years 
Yeah, it's it's been a lot in a in a short amount of time, and as you said, like it all just runs together for me. I don't remember her having this really good like established run. Maybe she did, and I'll look it up here in a second. But I, the fact yeah, that it, it doesn't, like, doesn't come off the top of my head is probably an issue. So yeah, yeah. you can look that up. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura staying on SmackDown as the IC champion, and it looks like Sammy staying with him, although they didn't say that officially. Uh, obviously that makes sense because AJ was on Raw with the OC and you need to keep the secondary titles separated. Uh, I'm fine with that, Sammy. I like the pairing with uh, Sammy and Nakamura and I hope uh, yeah. they, they do uh, some more with Ali staying on SmackDown, uh, a guy they could do way more with than they have so far. Definitely. Um, I like that, you know, Ali faced Andrade and they had a pretty competitive match and then Zelina interfered and that led to Ali losing. I think he should have actually been drafted like right after that match with like, oh, we boosted his profile. Like we took Andrade with the fifth pick in the first round. Like he's a first round pick and Ali was right there with him. But Zelina interfered like now we should take him in this round. Like, he's clearly got talent. I thought it was a missed opportunity to not have him go Again, immediately after that Again, you more thought into the draft process than they did. Well, yeah. I, they released their list online with the complete draft order. And then when it was pointed out, they they realized it and decided to switch Geniuses. it up. So, uh, Bobby Roode and Dolph <laughs> Ziggler heading to SmackDown after losing the Raw Tag Team titles. Uh Good addition to the tag division. They'll, they'll be fine. So Charlotte is actually the longest reigning SmackDown Women's Champion for a single reign um, when she held it for 147 days. That was her first title reign as the SmackDown Women's Champion. I don't remember any of it, but there you go. She did have a... She is technically the longest reigning SmackDown Women's yeah, Champion I mean, for a single for her, reign. Yeah, I seriously can't remember a lot of memorable stuff from them. And I'm not I'm not trying to be an asshole about it. I just no, don't. I, yeah, I don't either, honestly. Rude and um, Ziggler going to talking about Rude and Ziggler? Sure. Uh, Carmella sure. staying on SmackDown. Separated from R-Truth, though. Disappointed in that. Yeah, she gets um Bailey though. She she's now friends, you know, they're still friends in real life. Um and and she gets to be on the the same brand as Bailey and she's on the same brand as uh Corey Graves. So it was pretty obvious Carmella was was going to SmackDown. Yeah, I'll just miss Graves is uh, over there. Stuff with truth cuz they had some really good interactions. I thought it was really dumb that Truth could even be drafted. Like I I think the 24/7 title I, I guess, I guess, I guess, okay. If he loses the title, maybe it works like the Kabuki Warriors, where we know that the, that's going between brands. But if they lose the belts, like then the Kabuki Warriors are part of Raw. I hope it's the same way with Truth, in that you know he's a twenty four seven champion. He should have to show up to SmackDown and potentially defend that title and okay if he loses the title then he's part of raw but as long as he's the champion he should be on both shows the next pick the fox uh invaded the usa network and they stole the miz jeremy very very surprising pick that you know usa's got miz got his own reality show and they didn't value this guy to make him a a top priority there they they 
Marjo, clearly the star of the show. They're like, we don't care if we lose Miz. We still uh, got and Marjo. And much like the point you brought up with the New Day, Miz is a guy who can do a ton of publicity for Fox in that show. So, and he's excellent at that. Yeah. Uh, but I was surprised to see him actually go to SmackDown just because of Miz and Mrs. being on USA. King Corbin on Agreed. SmackDown. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm fine, sure. I don't mind Baron Corbin. I thought the fact that like Umberto Carrillo and literally Akira Tozawa was picked one pick before King Corbin. And it's, all right, if you're an executive, I, honestly... <laughs> What makes you think Akira Tozawa has like a higher ceiling than than King Corbin, who just won King of the Ring and has been pushed on television pretty much the uh, well, entire year? Well, that is because Akira Tozawa is awesome and King Corbin sucks. <laughs> sure, but what makes you think like King Corbin? Okay, now that he's on our brand, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair <laughs> i'm fine with that actually even though he's a former nfl player and so he probably has good well, combine those fucking numbers slacks honestly and like, he probably tozawa has like big <laughs> baggy airy pants yeah, maybe on, he had to wear lightning he had to wear his robe uh it, it, when he the, was the doing the combine the and he had to have his time did not impress the usa network yeah shorty yeah, gable staying on smackdown uh, sure. It's a, I do not want to see it again, but unfortunately, we're going to get it. Didn't Corbin say, like, I'm not wrestling you anymore because you're too short for me to wrestle? And then he's wrestled him uh, like five much. times. And finally, since. Elias staying on SmackDown. Uh, sure. We haven't really seen Elias, but um, he's been out. Uh, hurt, that's so, fine. Yeah, well, it's fine. Uh, now we go to Raw. We got Becky Lynch, number one draft pick to Raw. Yep. I mean, Becky's awesome, so can't. Yeah, just slightly can't surprising that. because of, like you mentioned earlier, the Fox adverts had her heavily in them, but uh, maybe just a red herring to throw everybody off. Uh, she goes to. I mean, she's the, she's the Raw women's champion, so when you. Like, you had to. Yeah, she she could have, but like you had to have her be that that first pick because, I mean, she is kind of like she just won the main event of WrestleMania, so it makes sense that she would be the SmackDown first pick. SmackDown valued the big dog over her. Well, SmackDown Still, didn't have the first pick. They like Roman better. I'm just talking shit. I don't know. It's a fucking WWE draft. How serious <laughs> you want me to really get? <laughs> Sorry, VOC going to Raw, big value pick three for one. Yeah, I, I'm a fan of any three uh, for Drew one. Drew McIntyre going to Raw. Hopefully, they fucking decide to do something with this guy. Probably not. I think Heyman should like him. So I, I this is the highest hopes I have for Randy Drew Orton going to Raw. Hopefully, Paul Heyman can light a fucking fire under this guy's ass. I think Randy Orton could be traded. for brand the puppets. <laughs> I'm fine with that deal. I think that's actually a good a good trade. I I think Randy Orton's just gonna end up on on SmackDown. Orton in fucking working this Monday show. He's gonna he maybe he doesn't Fridays want to work the Friday so show. I don't know. Wife at the deal. beach. 
Yeah, and go on Twitch. Yeah, play video and games. Cause controversy. I feel like he I feel like he would get along better with Bischoff though. Like Bischoff would just let him do kinda whatever the fuck he wants. I mean Norton's gonna do whatever the fuck he wants anyway, but Bischoff probably be like, Yeah, sure, Randy, uh, here you're, you're fine. Ricochet staying on Raw. Uh sure. Ricochet got some he got a little showcase match uh on Raw as well, so uh, yeah. uh, Heyman I think is a Ricochet guy, so should should Bobby be good Lashley for him. staying on Raw to bang Lana. Yeah. <laughs> what an you know, angle. All I could think of is like I had paused my TV at one point because I had to get a drink, and it was during the Lashley and Lana segment. And I paused it right when he was holding the towel up. And somebody <laughs> t- tweeted me uh, on Twitter because I was joking about it being a Brazzers production. I got I got to pull this up here real quick. Your Twitter's being slow as shit. Though. Hang on. And I I could not help but to laugh because it it felt like a legitimate like uh, porn site title to this story, and it was on my so I have the screen it's on my screen he's holding the towel up staring down at Lana's bosom or whatever, and uh okay so someone tweeted at me hot blonde takes big black cock while husband watches, that seems like that's legit <laughs> off the browser site. Yeah, I mean, pretty much the what an angle, what a what a fucking story that is. Yeah, telling stories, Uh, brother. Alexa Bliss going the raw. This is where WWE realized that they fucked up the draft order and released it, so they couldn't take her and Nikki Cross at the same time. So they made USA look like idiots and took them separately. Yeah, that was really dumb. That was like it says that. I, it was dumb in that one USA just didn't take them both at the same time if you wanted them because, you know, it says on the thing like, okay, you can take only one if you want only one. So if they were like, oh, we only want Alexa Bliss, then fine, just take Alexa Bliss. But then a few picks later, they took Nikki Cross and it's like, okay, why did you do that? Like you just wasted your pick. Maybe they thought SmackDown was going to take Nikki Cross to, to split them. And then when they, they didn't, they were like, well, shit, Nikki's still there. Let's just take her. But in that case, just yeah, made them no together. Sense, but <laughs> I dumb. think it was smart to keep them on the same brand because they're still a fun pairing. Uh, Kevin Owens going to Raw. Yeah, agreed. Um, sure. I mean, I like Kevin Owens. I'm, I'm sure he'll do well in Raw. But Heyman will yeah, probably Yeah, I hope with him, Paul so Heyman, be good. hopefully having, you know, the control he's supposed to have, that he will be behind Kevin Owens more than they were on SmackDown. And please don't say they were behind Kevin Owens because they gave him the Shane feud because that was just a drag on TV for months. Nah, that, that feud sucked i'm glad it's over i'm glad kevin owens won uh, that doesn't mean like they were super Italian behind him yeah fire usa network was thrilled to death what do you that was about? so Whoop-a-dee-doo. i just laughed like i said her family wasn't even that excited she was staying on raw this was the biggest draft steal in in draft history all right so, USA ended up with a really <laughs> smart-looking pick as they picked the Viking Raiders Friday night, and they won the tag titles on Raw. Yeah, USA, They maybe they knew something. Maybe got, right. they got the leak script. Love the script. Viking Raiders, though, and hopefully they keep doing really well. 
Yeah. They're awesome and they win. Yeah. What a novel concept. Yeah, they go in there, they look everybody. badass, they kick the shit out of people, and they win with their fucking move. What more do you want? Uh, the Street yeah. Profits go into Raw, presumably to wrestle the OC at some point. <laughs> that was so dumb on Raw tonight, where they're like, we want the smoke tonight. And even the Twitter account was like, six-man tag match tonight. And then the Kabuki Warriors, Lacey Evans, Natalia match lasted like 30 minutes. It's like, did you guys forget about this shit? Uh, I'm, I'm, the Street Profits on Raw makes all the sense in the world because they were on Raw for, I feel like, months just doing backstage stuff. And I'm all for Street Profits uh, and OC feud with whoever they get thrown in there. John Morrison, I guess. He, he's a Street Profit now. All these guys want RVD. Yeah, we know he the wants time. the smoke. Uh, Eric Young on Raw um, to stay on main event. Uh, sure. Eric Young looked to be in good shape when he got he's squashed by Alistair Black. He's still a good worker. It's just they just haven't done anything with him. They called Sanity up and then just destroyed the stable and did absolutely nothing with it. So. Yeah, I mean, Eric Young's a good hand. Um, hit you with a fucking he's probably chair not going to do a good hand. Uh, EC3 <laughs> staying on Raw so he can still work main event. Poor guy. I want to watch the 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 ride along with him, Drake Maverick, and Braun Strowman. Just yeah, to remember what the guy sounds like. Uh, Sin Cara, amazingly enough, still under contract on Raw. So I'm sure he'll be a sure. main event fixture whenever he eventually comes back. And then we have uh, Seth Rollins staying on Raw as the Universal Champion. Obviously, a smart move. Yep, and with Becky there, that was pretty obvious move. Yeah, this one was definitely surprising, especially after she lost the... I guess, I mean, once she lost the SmackDown Women's title, that freed her up to go to Raw. But it was a surprising move just because I thought Fox would end up with one of Becky or Charlotte simply because they were the two most heavily pushed females during the uh, promotions uh, in the last month. So it just seemed like one of them was going to end up on Fox. And my my biggest worry about this is that with Charlotte and Becky on this brand, that they're going to feel the need to have to feud them a lot and that we're going to run into the same problems we had when we had Ronda here is that they're not going to be really bringing up anybody else to be a viable challenger or for people to care about. I mean, that's most certainly going to happen. So that's what I worry about. And with Charlotte going to Raw, Andrade went to Raw with Zelina Vega. Yeah, once Charlotte was on Raw, it was pretty obvious that Andrade was going to be there as well. I'd, Selena Vega, Vega calling him the four horse faces. <laughs> and, uh, Andrade, yeah, Andrade looked at her like, well, you know I'm dating one of <laughs> them amazing. in real life, right? <laughs> that, that, that ranks right, I laughed really hard actually at that. That ranks right up there. Do you remember when Scott Hall used to mock um, the giant all the time? He'd sit there and do the choke slam and yeah. zombie walk. Well, then, like, the big show, you know, the, the giant, yeah. the big show, turned face and heel 8,000 times. And then there was a match where he turned heel and joined back with the NWO. And he's tagging with Scott Hall. And Scott Hall gets in the ring and he fucking, like, choke slams Rey Mysterio. So Scott Hall does the little choke slam thing and starts mocking the giant and turns around and realizes, oh, fuck, I'm tagging with the giant. 
<laughs> and it's just like I don't know simple <laughs> things like that make me laugh but yeah when she said that and Andrade kind of gave her the side I was like what and I was like oh I was like yeah that's that's funny I don't care who you are yeah that that was good I, I hope Andrade does good things on Raw yeah, big fan I, I, I have a little bit of hope with him because of Heyman um, but yeah it's um He's a guy that they just haven't done a lot with, and he's worth so much more than what they've done so far. So, uh, Kabuki Warriors, uh, our USA Network, picking up more titles as women's uh, tag team champions. Uh, I'm really digging the new edgy heel Kabuki Warriors, man. It's good. It's really good, and I'm glad to see it because... Yeah, they got called up and did, or not called up, but they got paired up and did absolutely nothing. And it's good to, yeah, heal Oscar's awesome. Kyrie is uh, doing doing well with that, so uh, I'm I'm glad glad to see it. They should have beaten Lacey Evans and Natalia a lot quicker tonight. Lasted about an hour and a half, but uh, Rusev staying on Raw to watch Lashley fuck his wife. Yeah, I mean, once Lana slash Lashley got drafted to Raw, Rusev was obviously going to stay because I'm pretty sure Lana and Rusev are still married in real life. Did, but dude, maybe did you not see that Lashley K-fate. was in his bedroom he, fucking his wife? No way, man. It's real, Jeremy. <laughs> Look, sometimes these angles, they start that way and then they do turn a little bit yeah. real, so... Rusev, uh, I don't know. I'm sure it's different than it was uh, back in the day, but yeah. With Selena Vega heading to Raw, Alistair Black heads to Raw as well. Uh, reportedly a guy Heyman really likes as well. Yeah, I mean, he squashed Eric Young, and once again, once once Selena was on Raw, then Alistair I Black I like that they're establishing Raw, a so. secondary finish for him, too. Yeah, I, it looks kind of goofy, and I don't know how I like actually. He's won more matches is, with it than but... fucking Sonata has. <laughs> Fuck's oh, sake, God. Sonata no, used true. that move about ninety-three times against Okada, which we'll talk about later. Uh, Cedric Alexander staying on <laughs> Raw, a guy again they could do a lot more with, and Heyman reportedly likes a lot. And hopefully they do more. Uh, Humberto Carrillo heading to Raw from 205 Live. Sure. I don't have anything against Humberto Carrillo. It was just very weird seeing his name this high with all the other people that were still Dude, not taken. Dimples, man. Paul Heyman fell in love with him. That's right. Eric man, Rowan heading to Raw, which fascinates me because Luke Harper is a free agent, and uh, I kind of want Harper and Rowan versus the Viking Raiders. I don't know, like, I don't know how long, how much longer Harper is going to be there because I don't think he's re-signed. His contract at this was time, supposed to be up in November, but they added time due to his injury. Okay, well, still, I just don't know. I, I feel like once his contract is up, he he's he's gone. So I don't know how much well, they're really going to put into. Well, you can bring him back and have him and Rowan challenge and have Harper take the pin. Be a good match. Sure. That, that, that's true. And it may that's still right. happen, you know? Big Free match, agency. Buddy Murphy heading to Raw. Love Buddy Murphy. Yeah. The Love GOAT, him. Buddy uh, Murphy. Hey, Jinder Mahal is still alive and under contract on injured reserve, heading to Raw. Risky pick, even though late in the draft, Jeremy. I'm not sure about this one. <laughs> that was another one where it's like, 
this dude hasn't done anything forever and he's injured. Well, why are you taking him at all? I don't even know why he's on the draft list, but whatever. Bit Former world champion Jinder Mahal. That's all I'm saying. Uh, Definitely a R-Truth drafted to Raw. I'm disappointed with this one. USA Network disrespecting R-Truth. Former NWA champion, US champion, tag team champion, and current 24-7 champion. How do you wait to draft him after Jinder Mahal? Come on. Horrible. Uh, Samoa Joe heading to Raw. Obviously, Paul Heyman loves Joe, so not a surprise at all. Samoa Joe's going to cut great promos and have good matches and just lose a bunch. Put Samoa Joe on WWE backstage every week. He was so good at the little draft position thing, and his little shots at Renee Young are my favorite. See, you're still making money from the family, man. <laughs> I, I love the fucking like so low key shots at uh, Ambrose when he does that. It's just like because it's like it's nothing like ha ha ha. Fuck your husband. He left. It's just like it's like such a little dick because everybody knows her husband's gone. So she's the only one working for the company. Yeah. It's just like, it's very low key and it's humorous. I like it. My favorite one was when Ambrose got injured and he's like, you're a one income yeah. household now. Joe, Joe was a guy I could see ended so... up with a job for life doing like the talkie shows for the company. Pre-show panels and shit. He's so good. I mean, it... he he's really good at that stuff. And it's pretty clear that they're, grooming him for something like that by you know putting him out there while he's injured uh to to do these shows i wouldn't be shocked if he ended up on an episode of of wwe backstage at some point like joe is yeah he's he's good at that stuff then i got a lot of guys who can who can do uh that kind of stuff which again they they've got a lot of fucking talent you look at some of the choices they've made because like obviously like you know aiden english is doing commentary on 205 live which was really smart because obviously they realized they weren't going to do jack shit with him as a wrestler but he has a really nice voice so we'll try him out on commentary and he's actually really good so it's like you know i i like that like certain guys like this they realize like things like that and you know what if joe ends up with a job for life where he doesn't have to worry about taking bumps and making money i'm super happy for him so akira tozawa heading to raw um the only disappointment about him heading to raw is i was hoping he'd end up on the same brand as apollo cruz because they're actually really good friends in real life and i wanted like a buddy comedy show slash tag team with them well, maybe we'll get a trade. With the Randy Orton will be a throw in on the yes. trade. It'll be the sweetener. Yeah, it'll be it'll be one of the sweeteners in that deal. He was a high pick, so he's higher than the fucking guy who Shelton won King Benjamin of the Ring. Raw. He actually got on TV tonight, so that was nice to see, see that he was still alive. Like Shelton, good hand. Rey Mysterio Benjamin. going to Raw, and he's going to get the work with like the fucking two hundred five live all stars here because you have like Cedric and Carrillo and Buddy Murphy and Tazawa. Like, that's a bunch of fun little matches for Ray. And I think Heyman really values Ray as well. I, I don't know, like, Bischoff, you know, Bischoff likes to take credit for the bringing Lucha to the U.S. with the cruiserweights and, and whatnot on uh, WCW. But he obviously didn't actually value those guys. He's just like, hey, these are good wrestlers that the crowd reacts to. Let's throw them out there. Uh, in the, the first match, and that's it. And that's and where they'll, where they'll be forever. Heyman actually. 
Yeah, and unmask Ray and all this shit. Like, Heyman actually like yeah. puts value into them. So I think well, this because is because if, if you honestly, uh, if you want to get real about it, Heyman's the one who brought the luchas really in with ECW, and then Heyman saw yeah, that it got exactly. over, Bischoff saw that it got over, and then started signing them all. So, uh, hey, yeah. Titus O'Neil gets drafted to Raw so he can keep working main event. The only yeah, disappointment sure. here is that he separated from Heath Slater, and they had recently reformed Slater Gator on main event, so I'm disappointed because I'm one of three people that watches main event. So, uh, well, you are. <laughs> Why do you watch main events? Isn't uh, it the same match every week? It's part of my contract, week? man. Got to cover it. WWE program. Uh, uh, and okay. finally, the uh, the last pick uh, of the draft, Jeremy, Liv Morgan to Raw. This wasn't, like, super surprising. I think Heyman likes Liv Morgan, and she's been pushing very hard to, to get on back on TV and stuff because Ruby Riot's hurt. Event. Sarah Logan is a mainstay Facing on Facing Dana event. Brooke yeah. this week. And, you know. For, like, the 12th time this year. They did. did they they had, like, seven matches, then they one, teamed together. Like, I thought they were going to yeah, be the female well, bar and okay, attack the tag team champions, but it didn't work out. <laughs> uh, but Liv Morgan, I'm glad she, she got this spot. I almost feel like she's going to be Carmella-esque, because remember in the, the initial draft, um, however many years ago, like, Carmella was, like, that last pick for for SmackDown and like look at Carmella now, I could see a uh, same kind of traje- trajectory yeah, for Liv Morgan. What they do with Liv, um, I think she does have potential and everything. It's just they haven't done anything with her. So, uh, and then we have some notable yeah. free agents: Jeremy, The Usos, Cesaro, Matt Hardy, AOP, Hawkins and Ryder, Dana Brooke, Drake Maverick, Sonya and Mandy, Luke Harper, Mojo Rawley, No Way Jose, Sarah Logan, Naomi, and the Iconics. Plus, we have some injured people like Jeff Hardy, Ember Moon, Ruby Riot, and Nia Jax not picked. Um, yeah, we'll we'll see where these people go. It's kind of like the Iconics weren't picked, which you know they're they're former women's tag team champions. Like Matt Hardy not picked. Cesaro is obviously I think the uh, a big back one the there. Car. So. <laughs> there's yeah how did cesaro not do good in the combine i don't care if he had, was what the fuck he was wearing like Cesaro's a freak of nature um now he's got a fucking job the man sore in a couple of weeks jesus At least christ it'll probably that poor be guy good. uh i mean it'll be good but then like he's gonna lose the Mansoor, and then Mansoor is never gonna be used on television to, because they don't actually have plans for him. They're just throwing him out there because it's the hey, two fucking times Saudi a year, show. Be a big and star. That's that's very true. Um, yeah, Th- there's some good like talent free agent wise, and we'll we'll see where they end up. Oh, Cesaro wins. I'm up still in NXT. pissed that they didn't stick him in NXT UK for a while, just to have some bangers with people and actually make the show interesting. Because Oh, that episode this week was a dire episode. It wasn't like it was horrible. It was just like boring two-star specials with nothing happening. Yeah. On NXT UK? I tried to binge watch 
the the show um last week because I, I don't think i've watched an episode since the the takeover show and so i try to like watch an episode a day that's literally all i can do is like one episode a day because like I'm nothing with an stands week. out as being <laughs> like nothing stands out as like being good like nothing seems to get a reaction it's like they're introduced the crowd doesn't react at all they they have a nothing match and somebody wins and I'm just like who the fuck is this guy like Noam Dar is the person who stands out the most and Cassius Ono because awesome. I, I guess I, yeah Cassius Ono is awesome but like all the actual like NXT UK guys it's like all right there's another pasty white guy does this guy have facial How hair or dare not dare you insult the UK wrestlers <laughs> someone we're gonna get an angry email like <laughs> we're not they- all pasty. Where where's my man Tyler Bate and Pete Dunn? Like they were barely used. Like Walter's not being really used. Yeah, like they didn't keep Cesaro around for those tapings. It's just such a like nothing show. The takeovers are great. I mean, the Walter and Tyler Bate that might be my favorite match this year. And again, the thing is, but it's not like someone's gonna go. Well, you can't expect Cesaro just to relocate to the UK. That's not what we're talking about. They tape like every two months. All he had to do was stick around the next day, shoot three episodes of TV, whatever they did, and then come back in six to eight weeks and do it again. That's all we're saying. Yeah, he doesn't have to. Doesn't have to relocate at all. He just, he just has to go there every, yeah, every month or so. He was literally there after NXT UK Takeover. He was literally there, and he could have done the 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 two nights of tapings after it or the one night, however many, however many nights of tapings they did. I think they did one, but they fucking flew him back. So we could lose to the yeah. Miz in eight minutes. So, uh, that is the, that is the draft. I mean, obviously I think with all the WWE draft stuff, Jeremy, there is obviously potential with a lot of the guys. It just comes down to how they're booked. Here's the thing, Jeremy, you, you like the execution. Do you think that they will actually stick with the rosters this time? I mean, I'm not talking about, like, a trade is fine, but I'm just saying, do you think that, like, they will actually stick with it or, you know, in six weeks are we going to get guys like Roman Reigns randomly showing up on Raw because the rating's dipping? No, I think I think they'll stick with it because they've they've hammered it home so much and I think having Heyman and, and Bischoff and having actual two different networks one being fox like the there's reason to to stick with it and like at this point you have to because if you don't you're just continuing to ruin any kind of credibility you you have with the fan base and i mean there's a reason that these viewership numbers just keep dipping it's because they they keep saying these things and they they don't actually do anything and so the fan base is it's like all right well why am i sticking around here and yeah okay we you know it's a joke of oh these people aren't really canceling the network these people are still gonna watch every week like look at the numbers aren't lying like a lot of these people are tuning out week after week sure the there's a core fan base that's still there that's maybe always going to be there but you've even shrunk that down to to thirds over the last however many years so you can't keep doing that like you you've got to 
you've got to make good on these promises sooner or later. And this is an easy promise to make good on. Just keep the roster separate. Like if Roman Reigns appears, because he's on SmackDown, if Roman Reigns appears on Raw, is that boosting the Raw well, no, rating? No, I don't think Honestly. it is. But I mean, you know how like, they sit did, there and they they think that certain guys are going to pop a rating or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know they're thinking, but the, the numbers really don't lie. Like, there's no evidence that Roman Reigns actually pops a rating at this point. Like, no, none of these guys. And, and that's when I, what I was talking about of when, you know, I was excited for the draft and then it starts and by, like, the third pick, I'm just like, okay, like, I like this person, but am I invested in this person? And the answer was always no i'm really not it's like all right yeah i like roman reigns i like aj styles i like daniel bryan am i invested to would i if i didn't have to watch this every week like would i tune in every week to watch this show because they're on it and the answer is like probably no i'm not invested in any of these guys and if you look at the the viewership and the fact that none of these guys pop any type of a rating it's that seems to be just the the general consensus with everybody is none of these guys are actually stars. I mean, I don't disagree at all. And that's why they're bringing in Kane and Tyson Fury. And that ain't because the, uh, the Saudis are paying them sweet millions of dollars in blood money. Yeah. Tyson Fury for sure. Kane is like, that's a long-term investment there. That's not just to appease the Saudis. So, and Kane ain't doing nothing for him. Yeah. I, I don't know, but yeah, it's a, We'll see what happens. I I hope it sticks this time, but I honestly don't have faith that it will. I think they're eventually going to fuck it up, I think. I, I don't mean to sound so dire about it, but I mean, that's the track record with this company. It feels like this time it'll work with the separate network thing, and I hope it does. I hope I am horribly wrong. Because I think, like, the initial draft, when they back in the early 2000s, when they did the initial draft, and they kept guys apart... For a long time. They actually created a lot of fresh matches. So that when you actually got like Rey Mysterio versus Edge. They hadn't faced off. And they're like oh holy shit that's a really cool match actually. So you have the ability to do that again. But you actually have to have some self discipline. And actually follow your own rules. And they're just not very good at that. So. No, they're not. Jeremy, we're going to move on to Ring of Honor. Glory by Honor 2019 took place Saturday night. Let's knock this out in like 10 Number minutes. Number one contenders battle royal for a shot at Roosh later in the evening. Silas Young won at 7 minutes 50 seconds. Painfully dull and actually bad battle royal. Although New Japan and CMLL superstar Big Daddy Yum Yum made a fucking appearance. So I laughed. I'm glad it wasn't uh, Kenny King, Silas Young. I mean, we knew, especially given the talent in this match, that uh, Roosh was going to destroy whoever won. So they being good for Silas Number Young. Number one contenders tournament semifinal match. PCO defeated Dalton Castle 12 and a half minutes via pin. I thought this was a perfectly solid match with PCO picking up what I thought was a surprising win here. I told you, all villain enterprise is final. I called this one. Uh, Second semifinal match, 
Marty Skrull defeated Jay Lethal 11 and a half minutes via submission. I thought this was really good, as expected. Uh, one of the best things on the show, and it was the first thing on the show that had an actual energy to it and felt important. Which is, is no surprise, because Marty Skrull is the biggest star in the company. That they haven't realized, and they're going to lose. So... Uh, TV champion Shane yep. Taylor defeated Jay Spade. Jay Spade was a local guy who they teased Taylor had problems with before signing with Ring of Honor. Shane Taylor Promotions came out. They had a solid little match. It was the overconfident champion versus the plucky challenger. Uh, it was totally okay. Shane Taylor Promotions won, and he is cool. I like Shane. The, the goat Shane Taylor. Women of Honor title match. Kelly Klein defeated Angelina Love at 12 minutes to win the title back. All right. I got to break my rule here. What, what is this company doing? First off, you give this match more time than Lethal and Skrull, which just Baffling. complete nonsense. And I get, okay, Skrull would have had to wrestle a second match or Lethal, uh, so sure, but no. And then you do this big title change with Angelina Love two, three weeks ago, and it's it seems like it's going to be the reign of the allure and like that it's not good but at least you know kelly klein's not doing anything and you immediately put it, it you know oh my god the, this fucking division the angelina love thing wasn't going to be good but it did set up maria manic coming in and just completely killing all three members of the allure winning the title in like 30 seconds and, and kicking off her reign instead now you've got maria manic like helping out kelly klein and kelly klein getting the title back i none of this shit makes sense and this is why i refuse to talk about it on most shows but because they've broken me with even stupider booking to where i've gotta do at least a mini rant on it but now i'm back to just not talking about it because this division is just completely stupid it just when you think the women of honor stuff can't get worse it actually does uh, let me say this the match started out okay I feel like I say this a lot with the Women of Honor. They were having an actual okay <laughs> match. It was going along okay. It wasn't going to be great. It might not even have been good. But it was okay. It was a perfectly okay wrestling match. And then we got a ref bump. And then we got Mandy Leone throwing some of the shittiest chair shots you've ever seen. Maria Manic arrives. No shells Mandy Leone's chair shots. Puts her in the torture rack, and then she almost fucking kills Mandy Leon with a burning hammer because Maria Manic is a sloppy worker and Mandy Leon doesn't know how to fucking sell anything. She then clotheslines Angelina Love while the referee's staring at the ring, basically looking at everything. Kelly Klein hits her finish and then wins. It was all of the bullshit from this division I fucking hate. It completely rendered the Angelina Love title win useless because, as Jeremy said, you had a great story to have the the monster figure come in and take out the Barbie dolls. You had a good story. Let's well, not no, give that's a really credit. good story. You have the monster come in and wreck the little fucking Barbie dolls and run them off forever. That's really good. 
Yeah. And then it, you, it was it's stuff. only serving yeah. to give Kelly Klein her fucking third title run, which, no offense, I'm sure she's a lovely young lady. I can't imagine anybody caring about. No, no one does. Like, no one, no one cares about this division at all, and it's because... They have people like Kelly Klein and Angelina Love at the top of the division. Okay, Maria Manic will help. Uh, Session Moth Martina will theory, help if, if they, they, they ever, ever wrestle get past a the damn shit match. Fucking booking though. Well, yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. And if they ever wrestle, they've had Maria Manic since June. She's had zero matches. She debuted in June. <laughs> They're going to go almost an entire half year without giving her a match. And it, it did seem like it was setting up perfectly of she destroys the allure and, and wins the title. And there you go. That's your your big thing. Instead, they rendered that useless. They probably would have screwed that up and had like Maria Manning lose her first match to Angelina Love anyway. So uh, done. Done with Women of Honor again. I, I did. They said what I needed to say and criticize their dumb booking, but the, this is why I don't talk about it because they they don't know Can't what they're doing. Can't wait for the no- November shows where Kelly Klein and Maria Manic tag and then uh, accidentally have a miscommunication so that Maria <laughs> Manic can challenge her because that's probably the lazy ass booking they're going to do. Cannot wait to complete. Next up, ROH Tag Team Champions, the Briscoes defeated Luke and Perry Hawks 12 minutes, uh, 10 seconds via pin. It was a good match. The the Briscoes are obviously really fucking great. They were very giving in this match. Uh, Luke and Perry are the hometown guys. They had the the crowd was behind them. Probably they were into this the most of anything on the show to this point. They were loving them some Luke and Perry Hawks. They rallied for them. Uh, Perry Hawks is only like twenty. Showed a lot of potential here. Good match with the Briscoes winning, as I expected. Uh, but yeah, a good match. Good addition to the card. Definitely needed after the horrendous Women of Honor match. It's because they the Briscoes are. are awesome. Next up, Alex Shelley defeated Jonathan Gresham 14 and a half minutes via pin. This was a great technical battle. Completely different than anything else on the card, as you would expect. The only thing I hated here, and I thought this was a great match is that they didn't follow up on Gresham's big win over Jay Lethal at the pay-per-view here. Had him lose his next match. Yeah, that's what I that's what I didn't like either is you give Gresham the big win against Jay Lethal and then you have him lose to Alex Shelley, which no, no disrespect to Alex Shelley, he's, he's not, not a signed. long-term player in this company like yeah, he should be there to lose to guys like Jonathan Gresham. Like that that's what he should be there for and instead he beats Jonathan Gresham and it's like all right you've completely halted Gresham's momentum right after right after the the big win against Lethal and it didn't make any sense but uh I mean I love I love Gresham I do love Alex Shelley I think he's great he just shouldn't be beating Jonathan Gresham great match but I did not like the booking of it because uh every time Gresham gets a little bit of momentum they cut it off right away And, I mean, it's tough to say, like, wait and see how it plays out because this company has not shown that they can, you know, make good on these stories. So I don't have any faith that they're going to actually follow it up and 
put some actual momentum behind. Uh, Lifebloods, Mark Haskins and Tracy Williams defeated Brody King and uh, Flip Gordon at 11 minutes, 10 seconds after miscommunication by Flip and Brody. It was a good and fun tag team match as usual, but I'm really done with Lifeblood versus Villain Enterprises at this point. And then, to to make the show even better, Bully Ray arrived! Guess what he did, Jeremy? Guess what he did? He laid out Lifeblood. He beat the shit out of him again and stood tall. The 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 lifeblood are geeks for a lot this of reasons. The, this is one of them. Yeah, like this is one of them. The fact that Bully Ray just comes out and punks these dudes every single time. It's like, why do we care about you? They're down to two members now. If you guys <laughs> don't watch Ring of Honor, let me clue you in on like something. There are only two possible finishes in a lifeblood match. They either a lose the big match. Or B, they win a semi-big match and then Bully Ray beats the fuck out of them. Or they lose a big match and then Bully Ray still beats that, the fuck out of them. That's the rare third option. But yes, it, it's it's not good. And the thing is, they're really talented guys. No, they... Yeah, I mean, we love Haskins, Bandito, and Williams, but like, there's no rhyme or reason to why they exist. Yeah. Lanny Poffo arrived to do some horrible commentary. That led to Roosh defeating Silas Young 10 and a half minutes via pin. Perfectly solid, but kind of flat match. And I thought Silas actually got in way too much on Roosh during his first title defense. Yeah, 10 minutes. It should have yeah, been just, half uh, of I that. like Silas and all, but he did, seriously he got in way too much on Roosh. And it just... Roosh just won the title. He beat Matt Taven, who had a, a decently long run with the title. You know, it wasn't like a month. I mean, he had a solid run with the title. And th- then, like, you're going, like, it was like 60-40 for Silas in this match. Not even, like, 50-50. So it's like, yeah, I was not a fan of that. Uh, Matt Taven and Vinny Marseglia arrived. They're here for blood. They want to know who attacked them a few weeks ago. Stalker footage aired, and then they ran to the back, and that was it. Yeah, DDP. It's DDP. Back. Main event of the evening, the number one contenders match, with the winner getting a title shot at final battle against whoever is the champion at the time. PCO defeated Marty Skrull, 14 minutes and 50 seconds via pin, Jeremy. Your thoughts? I didn't, I didn't care for this match. It was... Like the lifeblood run-ins, or not the lifeblood, uh, the the villain enterprises run-in with Brody King and and Flip Gordon and the ref bumps. Like it was overbooked to a point where it was unnecessary and almost, and this might not be the right term, but I'll explain why I use this term, almost uncomfortable in that I would have just preferred Skrull and PCO to go out there, have a good match or as good as they can have. And and then if you're going to have, if you're going to put PCO over, put him over Instead, you got Villain Enterprises. Okay, they're Marty's guys, so they're all going after PCO. Like, it made PCO just seem like he wasn't part of the actual group, and, you know, they're just out to get Marty this one last title shot. And I think their goal was to, like, really put PCO over strong. Like, hey, he's overcoming over all of this. But instead, it made him kind of look like he's just 
uh, a pawn in in villain enterprises, and maybe that's the end game. Maybe that's what he is. But he's just like, all right, well, Marty is the the guy we're gonna go with here, and you know, you need to fall in line with that. And if that's the story you're gonna tell, then don't have Marty after the match put him over and be like, you know, I got a lot of years left. You're you're coming down to the end here, and you know, you you earn this title shot and stuff. Like if I'm PCO and I'm he's telling me like I'm coming down the end to be like dude you just tried to fuck me out of this title match and then you're, you're saying i'm pretty much washed up and this is gonna be my last one like fuck off why am i doing anything for you anymore so uh, i didn't i didn't like the story of this match and it wasn't and because of all the overbooking and stuff it wasn't even a good match bullshit with all the run-ins and ref bombs they tried every <laughs> trick under the sun to try to make it interesting and cover up for the fact that no offense, I love PCO. In a single setting, he is not a really good wrestler. Yeah, that's the other thing. Like you're you're going with PCO here, and now unless you change things up, like this is your final battle main event, and there it is. It is no offense to PCO because I think we both agree his gimmick is is fantastic, and you know he he shouldn't be wrestling. He definitely shouldn't be like the quote-unquote star he is right now uh because two years ago we were like okay pco exists like this this is the same guy the the fucking pirate guy and thanks to the volter match it's like oh this guy rules the problem is he can only have that match with one guy and his name is walter and like he's not having that match with roosh and because he can't have that match he's He's really not a good like singles wrestler. He he does his crazy bumps and stuff, and it's fine. But you've you've got to go out of your way to protect him, and uh, especially in these singles matches, like in the tag matches, you can get away with it because Brody King's awesome. PCO can come in, he can do kind of his high spots and whatnot, and the crowd loves the the hot tag and everything. But in a singles match, like you can't quite get away with that as much, and he he can't have a singles match at least not one that should be main event worthy for your biggest show of the year for the ROH title. So I even questioned like PCO winning this match and then going on to face Roosh because, all right, I get it. He's popular. Your main event ROH title match better not go too long. Cause otherwise I, I don't yeah, know. Very I don't really choice trust the worst part is, is they announced matches for the UK tour and obviously Marty's working that tour. And they announced them in a, in a bunch of Villain Enterprises tags. So with that being the case, you completely ruined the chance here to... You could have done some of the run-in stuff at the end, but this was a golden opportunity to have Villain Enterprises. They could have chose PCO and ousted Marty here. As a way out. And it's like, I, I now you're not doing that, so how are you booking Marty out of the company now? Because I think you need to have a really good angle to make the other guys feel worth it with him gone. Assuming Marty is leaving, and that seems to be the assumption. First off, if Marty's not leaving, Horrendous and this is stupid. what you booked, but completely par for the course because... Even if Marty is staying through final battle, if he says, like, yeah, I'll work through final battle, put him in that match. 
and have Roosh beat him, fine, but put him in that care. match because Marty, dude, Marty is their biggest star. He's been their biggest star for ever since the Elite left at the beginning of the year. And they are the only people who don't realize that. Like, they, they just don't for some reason. I I don't get it. Uh, I there's a reason why Marty should leave and why he most likely will leave. But if he told you he's staying through final battle, then you, you put him in that match regardless if, if he, if he's leaving because he's your biggest star. And so, yeah, you have him put Roosh over in the end, even though Marty should have been an even bigger star. If you would have put the fucking title on him at Madison square garden, like everyone wanted. Um, I, I just, I don't understand. And yeah, if Marty is leaving in November, do they have a big show between now those, and November? Uh, UK shows coming up and then they have some early November shows. They're not exactly big shows. So it's probably going to be done sometime in there. But I don't know. I mean, I think you kind of blew a chance for a big angle. And then like the, the other thing too is uh, kind of no matter what you did between PCO and Marty... The problem you're running into is final battle is going to be PCO versus either Roosh or Jeff Cobb. Because Roosh and Jeff Cobb face off on the UK tour. All three of those guys' deals are reportedly up at the end of the year. And there's no guarantee any of them are staying. I just... This fucking company. I don't know with ROH. Again, I... This is why they'll be on the WWE Network a year from now. the thing is, is like, I, I watch these ROH um, shows, Jeremy, and you've even agreed, despite the company profile being done, they've had some good shows this year. It's just the problem is nobody's watching them. But the problem is there are people still with blinders on when it comes to Ring of Honor. Because I read all kind of takes on this show. This was a great ROH show. It was the best show I watched all week. This was, yeah, this was maybe the what? best PCO performance I've ever seen. And I'm just like, get the fuck like the, out of here. The Matt Taven match, <laughs> the the Matt Taven match with PCO better was this. better than this. I, it, yeah, I didn't think this match was good at all. And I again, I I didn't think the work was good. And I really, I didn't, I I understand the story they were trying to tell. Again, I don't think they told it that well i think i'm almost explaining it for them because they they didn't make it clear especially with marty's like post-match speech and everything but just none of it came off well like none of it it should have been yeah either marty gets ousted or and pco becomes the leader or pco just fucks and turns on all these guys because they they pretty much tried to fuck them over and then marty's giving them the little you know condescending congratulations stuff and the pco just looks kind of like a moron for still hanging out with these guys so i i didn't think i i didn't like it i, I didn't like this it was, at all i was actually hoping they would try something really cool and I was hoping that they would have, you know, Villain Enterprises turn on Marty and PCO wins, right? And then you can have uh, Carrie Silken or Joe Koff, whichever douchebag is there in attendance, come into the ring to hand PCO his contract for final battle. All you have to do is sign the contract, PCO, and the title shot's yours. And, you know, they've already beaten the shit out of Marty, and then he hands the contract to Flip. And you find out that Flip was the mastermind all along and he fucking got the title shot without even being in the tournament to fuck everybody over. 
That's great. Honestly, that that's really good, and it, it puts Flip over as this huge heel. You you do yeah, is that's Marty I said. on they, the UK They booked themselves into a corner by not being able to do this because he's in a bunch of tags with various members of Villain Enterprises on all three shows. You you book Marty and Flip on the UK tour, the, the final night, whatever your, your biggest night is on there. Like that, you know, Marty in the UK, like that's going to be a big reaction. Like Flip just fucking beats him and becomes an even bigger heel be, because he's beating Marty because Marty's most likely on his way out. And then, yeah, you, you go with, with Flip and Roosh as, as final battle. And not only like have you actually gotten flip over to a certain extent like that's a good match that's a match where you don't have to overbook the shit out of it or give it like 10 minutes because uh flip and roosh can can both go so your your booking makes infinitely more sense than whatever i mean i try man but i mean it's i don't know man (laughs) uh it the glory by honor show was unfortunately not a good show it wasn't one of those where i'm going to tell you Listen, it was a good show, guys, and uh, yeah, I know not a lot of people watched it. You should check it out. No, I mean, check out, if you're going to cherry-pick matches and you have Honor Club, watch Jay Lethal and Marty Skrull, watch Alex Shelley and Jonathan Gresham. Those are the two matches you should see. They're not match of the year or anything, but they're very good to great matches, and you should enjoy them. But that's about it. Everything else is either okay, or it's either bad to okay, there's a couple good things in there, but as a whole show, not good. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't, you know, the Gresham-Shelley matches was good, and and that's really all you need to go out of your way to see. But it's it's a thing we, we'd say all the time. Like, there's so much good wrestling that just good doesn't really cut it anymore. You need something captivating, and they don't have anything captivating. it is a shame, man. But, I mean, uh, we're, we're trying not to say the same things over and over again, but I mean, they keep making the same mistakes over and over again. So, uh, Jeremy, new Japan pro wrestling, King of pro wrestling, 2019, uh, changes to the card due to the typhoon, uh, new Japan announced prior to the show that due to travel delays due to the typhoon, John Moxley will not be able to appear at the show. He was then stripped of the, uh, or relinquished slash stripped of the U.S. title. Um, so his match with Juice Robinson was off. They later announced that Lance Archer would take his place and face Juice Robinson for the vacated title. Zack Sabre Jr. also off the show due to travel issues. And people right away were, you know, conspiracy theories, and AEW squashed his appearance, and Tony Khan created the typhoon, and all that shit. But then they keep forgetting that there's precedent, because... When Makabe had the flu back in 2015 and couldn't make a title defense, they stripped him of the Open Neverweight title, and he was going to be back in a week. But they have a rule, generally, when you can't make your title defense, they will strip you of the title. I'm fine with it in an era where people false advertise like a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, I didn't have an issue with it. I thought it sucked that Moxley couldn't make it, but it's their company. If they want to strip him of the title because of it, then let them strip them strip them of the title because you know in new japan gato books things years out so unless they had some type of assurances that hey moxley can definitely be there for for power struggle in a couple of weeks then uh you know 
then maybe you can try to make good and you just do a, a juice match or a multi-man tag match and whatever do that but maybe they didn't have that guarantee and i i'm not sure they would have that guarantee because that's on november 3rd you know aew's got television on the the fifth the sixth um i think it's the sixth and you know that's the go home show for full gear so moxley yeah, should definitely gonna, be on that show and then they got full gear date that close to a pay-per-view when they already had his last pay-per-view match next Right, not only a New Japan date, but like a no DQ match against Juice, and you know Moxley's not going over there to just, you know, do to play it safe. Like this is John Moxley. I'm sure he could have been told, "Hey, play it safe." But Moxley, if he's going over there to work a no DQ match, like he's gonna try to fuck some shit up, and I'm sure that was a concern for them in this one. But the fact that it was so far out from Full Gear, they don't have him advertised for a match between now and Full Gear, so you could maybe just keep him off and let him do promos and stuff but you're talking a week less than a pay-per-view match and then also the go-home show for um i guess they do have them advertised for a tag team match on wednesday so that, that could have been in jeopardy but anyway uh the go-home show for full gear and then yeah the omega match like you don't want to risk losing that again so you you can't put moxley in a the kind of match like that the week before so i don't know if they had any assurances and so because of that they don't know when they could get moxley back to drop the title to juice and because they don't know when they could get him back for that they gotta they gotta keep it moving so it, it is what it is it sucks it was an unfortunate situation i thought they made the bo- so uh, well. most out of it though so we start off with uh desperado and katamaru defeating show and yo in a preview of uh the junior tag league which starts wednesday uh desperado is back from his broken jaw injury i thought they had a good opener uh, finish saw Kenamaro taking out Yo, Despy countering the shock arrow. We got a ref bump, whiskey miss, missed, and Desperado hits Pinche Loco to pick up the win in his return match. It was a, a fine match. Um, it was weird booking because they're going to face again on Wednesday in the uh, Super Junior Tag League. So it's like, all right, I guess. Desperado and Kenamaro win here, and then Sho and Yo win on Wednesday. It's usually New Japan kind of stays yeah. away from that stuff. So I know they had to change the card because of uh, the the absences, but this was a, a weird match yeah, to a little bit. change so, it to. Um, but so th- yeah, that was the opener. I, I liked it. Uh, Watara Inoue became, came to ringside. He was on the uh, T- Tanahashi debut show twenty years ago, so he got to hang out at ringside. Uh, we saw. Tanahashi and Hanma defeating Makabe and Yano, 945. Jeremy, your thoughts? Yeah, Tanahashi took it easy. It was pretty much what you'd expect it, it to be. I thought was a little tag to celebrate his, uh, his anniversary and everything, and uh, he invited in a way in the ring post-match to celebrate, and they had a nice little moment. Uh, next match was, again, yeah. uh, this was a changed match due to the card reshuffling and loss of Zack Sabre Jr., uh, Naito and Shingo defeated Doki and Taichi at nine minutes via DQ. It was okay, really flat and unsatisfying finish because of uh, the DQ. And they are unfortunately teasing a Naito versus Doki feud, which is going to be fucking dookie. Whether it's, whether it's Naito, Naito and Doki or whether it's Naito and, yeah, Taichi, like... Like, I don't need a Naito and, and Tai Chi feud again because it's just 
it hasn't been good, and it's not going to be good. So, no interest yeah. in that. Next up, we uh, started getting a little more serious. Jushin Battle Liger versus Minoru Suzuki, Jeremy. Minoru Suzuki won 17 minutes, 40 seconds. I go to you first, sir. It was cool to see Battle Liger. I like that uh, Liger wasn't a Thunder Liger, and he didn't quite go Kinshin Liger, but uh, Battle Liger was was a nice uh, surprise there. I thought it, it started weird because they did some like grappling stuff, and you know this has been a a blood feud, and so to like lock up and, and whatnot early and do like some uh, test of strength stuff and grappling, it was like all right, it's a little out of the ordinary. I, I like the match. It maybe for me, I had really high expectations, and I don't know if it quite reached those expectations. But I really like the story of the match, where Liger almost played like Suzuki's game with with trying to grapple with him because they they talked about, and I thought Kevin Kelly did a really good job job here. Like they talked about, oh yeah, Suzuki defeated him in a, a Pancras match and everything. So Liger was like almost hungry to get that win back and play Suzuki style. And obviously that was the wrong move because Suzuki just beat him. And then they did the show of respect. I think Suzuki respected that, you know, I, I got the guy that I wanted. I got the guy under the mask. He came into my territory. He was prepared for battle. He tried to fuck with me on my own game. He didn't try to play his game. Like he, he stepped to me like a man and I beat him, but I respect that. So it was very, it was like an MMA fight almost. And I, I like the story that it told um, throughout, but my expectations were, were, were super, super high. And it was different than what I expected, but not in a, a bad way. And still like a, a, a great match. Once you, yeah, uh, if you follow the story, normally I would be very critical at the beginning, but I did like that. Liger came in as battle Liger. Cause he wanted to fight. He wasn't insane Keishan Liger. Now, if Keishan Liger comes out and they fucking lock up and exchange wrist locks, I'm going to be pissed off. Battle Liger was here to fight, and like you said, Kevin Kelly did a good job of bringing up the Pancras history and the fact that Suzuki submitted Liger 17 years ago. So Liger not only wanted to fight, but he wanted to beat Suzuki at his own game, which I really enjoyed. He, you know, And the thing is, too, is like Battle Liger is still a good wrestle lad. He is not insane like Keishan Liger. Uh, but then, you know, they did that for a little bit. They got pissed off and broke down into an intense, pretty dramatic brawl. I thought Suzuki basically played like the movie monster heel here really well. Liger fought with everything he had from underneath. I thought the story was just really tremendous. Uh, Liger losing is just like really heartbreaking. It's like, like in a good way, you know what I mean? Cause it's like, you're so invested in that story and he's, fighting with everything he has. He barely has anything left and you think he's going to do it. And then he eventually fades to the gotch power driver and Suzuki wins, shows him respect post-match as he bows and kneels to him. And uh, I, I thought it was great overall. Very different from what I expected, but I thought it was great. <laughs> yeah, that that's kind of my feelings is it wasn't what I expected, but it was still pretty awesome. Next up, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship was on the line. Will Ospreay defeated El Fantasmo 27-50 via pin, Jeremy. I will go to you first. It was pretty much what you would expect between these two is – you know, just a super athletic contest. They went into the crowd, and Phantasmo did the the big dive off the balcony and stuff. It, you know, it it was what 
there's not a whole lot to say about Will Ospreay matches nowadays. He's he's really great. He's on another level. They did some of the Phantasmo Bullet Club run and stuff, and that hurt a little bit. But in the end, Ospreay won. A good match. Will Ospreay continues to be awesome, and Phantasmo was was good, but nothing like spectacular. This was as a, a lot of matches with with Will Ospreay. A, a Will Ospreay I thought spectacle. It was very good. I thought it was being. It was on its way to becoming a great match. I really enjoyed it. Really athletic stuff. Phantasmo at the beginning teased uh, fair play, and he wasn't gonna do all kind of bullshit. Um, towards the end, Phantasmo did uh, something they've done a lot in the Bullet Club to where he kind of harkens back to Bullet Club past and started stealing finishers like the Styles Clash V-Trigger and tried to do a one-winged angel at one point but got countered. But in between that and in between all that great work and some good storytelling was the typical bullshit that comes with Phantasmo because he's, he's junior heavyweight Jay White. In that every match breaks down to a ref bump, a distraction, a low blow, all that bullshit. And I'm I'm just over it so much. Is it really hard to let two guys go in there and have a great fucking match without bullshit? That's all I really want because this was on its way to being really, really great, I thought. I was enjoying a lot of what they did. I thought they did a ton of things right here. But I am just so over the bullshit stuff in the middle. Just can't deal with it anymore. I mean, that's that's I know, bullet and club. It's been the same way for fucking years, which doesn't everybody. That's like the defense for it. Well, it's been that way for years. That doesn't mean it's good. Yeah, come up, adapt a little bit, and whatnot. But you know. Uh, I'm with you. It's an insult to Jay White to call El Fantasmo uh, Super Junior oh, Jay White, though. So. Well, go no, text that's an insult Jay to Jay White. Guy, cyber kisses or something to make him feel better, Jeremy. I don't know. Excellent. Will, I love See, Jay White. I guess you'll love this next match. Hiroki go to Big Tom Ishii. I made breakfast. Yoshihashi defeated Jay White, Kenta, and Yujiro Takahashi. Perfectly solid tag team match, but I felt it really struggled to like lock into a smooth match. It was, it was basically fine. Uh, didn't do a lot for me though. Uh, yeah, I as I said, I made breakfast during this match. I was, I needed some fuel, and I was like, this match is pretty unimportant, and I didn't go back to rewatch it. So, apologies. I did see the post match angle where Jay White was like, this fucking geek Goto getting a title shot, and then he he shoved the title into Tanahashi's face and laughed at him. Yeah, that was Jay White funny. rules. Goto a fucking geek. I liked it. Uh, Ishii and Kenta also <laughs> post match. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I like Ishii. Um, I, I don't need don't to see, see them him wrestle again, again after their last match. <laughs> no, not really. I want to see them like actually do something with the never open white title, except to just well, have it hot nice, potato that's around. Probably not going to happen for a while. So, uh, anyway, we move on to the vacant U.S. title match, which ended up still being a no DQ match, as Lance Archer defeated Juice Robinson Jeremy to become the new champion. Uh, I get that they felt that they had to deliver a no DQ match because of Moxley missing the show. Uh, I honestly, I think it probably would have been maybe better if they just would have had a regular match because uh, 
Archer had a really good G1. Juice is really good. And you can do a little bit of the light stuff that they always get away with, but I think they really should have considered moving the no DQ stipulation to Liger and Suzuki. Because I think it would have fit that better. Um, I'm really happy that Archer won here. It feels like a nice reward after a strong and surprisingly good G1. But I also feel kind of bad for Juice because this felt like his uh, big program and moment was taken away from him. Very good and entertaining match. Uh, be interested to see where they go with the U.S. title after this. We talked about it after the G1 that you know Archer was really impressive and we both thought that he'd be slotted into the U.S. title picture. And he got slotted in there a little bit earlier than anticipated because of uh, the typhoon and, and Mox missing the show. I was happy that he he got the win. I thought it was a nice change because, I mean, if Moxley makes this show, Juice, Juice is winning the title. So they could go back to Juice and, and things will be fine. Um, but but having Archer win it, I I was happy for the guy. He worked really hard in the G1 um, on a lot of different levels. Really, just his in ring work, but every all the promotion he did for Dallas and whatnot. So uh, good good for Lance Archer. Yeah, the match was was fine. Did it need the no DQ step? Maybe not. But they they promised the the no DQ match, and I guess they felt they had to deliver. And I mean they they did some table stuff. They did some chair stuff. It wasn't it wasn't as wild as I think. Think we would have seen had had it been Mox and Juice, but they they delivered on the stipulation, so it, it was fine. It was nothing. I wasn't like blown away by it, and I think part of that just had to do with there just wasn't much of a you know it was it was a last minute match that that's what it was. So it was it was tough to really get into Post it from match, that perspective. Uh, Lance Archer was going to continue killing Juice Robinson, but David Finley made his return from injury. Saved Juice, and he hit stunners on Archer to stand tall, and then Juice and Finley shared a hug post-match. And I'd imagine they're going to team in the World Tag League, and I'm sure Juice is relieved not to have to tag with Mikey Nichols anymore. <laughs> they're both relieved that they don't have, they're not in ROH with yeah, lifeblood someone anymore. Someone posted that, they're like, when the, a picture of them <laughs> hugging, and like that moment you realize you don't have to go back to ROH. Yeah, really. Um, yeah, it was co- cool to see David Finley back. Uh, I like David Finley, and uh, I guess David Finley's going to be back to lose the yeah, Jay White I some mean, more. Uh, death, taxes, and losing the Jay White is what uh, David Finley does outside of their first ever meeting, <laughs> I believe. So, uh, yeah, so next uh, we went to the title rights match for Wrestle Kingdom 14. Kota Ibushi retaining his uh, title shot, defeating Evil at 24 minutes. Uh, I thought they had a great match. They worked a good pace. I thought the work was really clean. They did a nice job of creating drama and evil winning. Closing stretch was really great. Uh, I mean, Abushi was going to win. There was very little doubt in it. But I did think that the home stretch created some really good drama. And that, I thought, was going to be the key to this. Yeah, the the home stretch did create some drama, and I, I will give them that. But it was a thing of we knew Abushi was winning, and so I had a tough time just like really getting into it from from that perspective. But it wasn't bad by any stretch of the imagination. Abushi's awesome, and and Evil is is good. I'm not the biggest Evil fan, but he's good. Um, and and I will give them credit for trying to create that drama. I don't know if they fully succeeded, but but they certainly Fair gave it enough. a good effort. And then the main event of the evening for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, Okada defeated Sonata, 37 minutes and 28 seconds. They teased me, Jeremy. 
I went on my rant about how I wish they'd do something different. And they came out and for about 90 seconds worked a breakneck pace. And then they started working the regular Okada match. Yeah, when when uh, Okada started with the, the shotgun dropkick attempt, it was like, oh, shit, they're going to do it. And then, as you said, like a minute, two minutes in, it slowed down into the usual kind of rest hold stuff or arm work stuff, whatever you want to call it. And it was, you know, it was your 40 minute Okada match. And look, these matches aren't bad. If you watch them just as a standalone match, they, they're very good. They're technically crisp. They're, I mean, it's Kazuchika Okada and Sonata who is awesome. So it's tough for them to have a bad match. The problem is, much like with the Ibushi match, is we knew Okada was going to win this fucking thing, so it didn't need to be 40 minutes of just drag it out and do the same match we have seen. This is the fourth time this year, so it's the fourth time we've seen a a version of this match, and Okada's won every single one. He's he's six and he was six and one all time coming into this. His only loss was uh, the G one earlier this year, and, and that match was maybe the the best of the bunch because yep. it wasn't forty minutes long. It was under thirty minutes. So again, the match was great, but we we've seen it way too often this year there was no drama they much like abushi and and evil like they tried to create the drama but there was even less than abushi and well, i think evil. that's because and i don't know why because... approximately 69 times in this fucking match and couldn't get a finish <laughs> off of it he did he, he really did and it's like oh my god so yeah again nothing technically wrong with it but it's just we, we've seen it and it was too long. So, there was no okay, drama. Okada goes to 7-1 and one all time against Sonata with the win. And that's the problem with booking this match because Sonata now just, he's a fucking geek. He's fucking Hiroki Goto. Always losing the big match. He failed once again to do it. I, the match is a great wrestling match. But it's one I drastically wish they would have changed the style up for, and I talked about that in the preview. Sonata desperately needs to get rid of Skull End as a finish because it's fucking dead. Nobody believes in it. Nobody buys into it. And it's shit 90% of the time. I really hope the failure and his post-match reaction where he was crying is Akata gave him a little attaboy thumbs up. Sonata's sitting there crying. <laughs> he, gave him, he gave him the orange Cassidy he did, thumbs too. up as Sonata But I'm hoping that that failure in his post-match reaction leads to some kind of character change for him because he desperately needs it. He needs to be freshened up. And hopefully, I mean, I mean, I can go like another year or two without seeing these two wrestle again. It's quality wrestling. It's good. It's often great. But I'm completely burned out on these two. And, you know, the story of Sonata taking Okada to longer matches as it goes on, it does make sense. Unfortunately, this one felt really long. It felt even longer than the 37 minutes it was. And for me, that was kind of a problem on this show as a whole. This show just... It was a big New Japan show. It went like four and a half hours, and I felt every minute of it. 
it, it really did. Like the the show did feel longer than I knew. Like the we were at the three hour mark when Evil and Abushi were finally you know coming to the ring and everything or being um getting to their match and it's like oh this is going another hour between these two matches and, and that includes um entrances and everything but you knew each match was going at least 30 minutes from not just bell to bell but with entrances post-match and everything so you knew it was going to be another hour between those two matches and obviously both both those matches were of the the longer variety at that especially okada and and sonata it's like man there's still an hour left or there's two matches left we're already three hours into this show you know these two are going at least an hour it's it just makes for a long viewing and yeah i mean the it was a new japan show so the the wrestling was great but it was a new japan show where outside of liger and uh, suzuki and um uh the 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 osprey and and phantasmo there wasn't especially once it lost mox and, and granted we we pretty much knew juice was winning that match but mox is such a almost novelty that it's like oh it's still John Moxley. I think the biggest the biggest problem is that the top two matches there was just no drama in them, and so when you have your top two matches have literally no drama because you know who's winning, and both of these matches are going you know one went twenty five minutes the other one went thirty seven minutes, it's like th- that's just really long for for matches where we already know who is going to win. And I'm not saying that, okay, just because you know the winner, it only needs to go 12 minutes. I'm saying because you do know the winner, then don't have it go 40 minutes because you're not really creating extra drama. You're just making us wait around for the outcome. The we other all thing know too is, is to like, there was some great stuff on this card, but a lot of the time, what makes these new Japan shows when they're this long fly by is like, you'll get some, you get like your good matches, you get some great matches. And then you like, oftentimes you get like two or three, like excellent matches that like you consider putting on your year end list. And to me, we never got any of those. Like I thought there were three great matches and then a lot, a lot of solid to very good. So when you're not hitting those big highs that you traditionally hit, in my opinion, again, some of you may have enjoyed it much more than I did. But to me, when you're not hitting those like dramatic high notes, then again, that's a thing to where the show kind of feels longer than it is. Because when you're watching that like really spectacular stuff, yeah. like it fucking flies by when it's that good. So, yeah, it, it does, and the the show did not seem to really fly by. So. Uh, New Japan will be back in a couple of weeks and they'll probably deliver another spectacular show. Shit, their announcements happen in right. 12 minutes. So, uh, but that'll, uh, that's going to wrap us up for today. Jeremy and I will be back later in the week to obviously got to talk about the Wednesday Night War. And, uh-oh, what? Um, yeah, we should have talked about this off the air, but I'm going to be out of town from Wednesday to oh, next Jeremy. Monday. <laughs> sorry look i got i got shit to do i got uh got people to visit so i got oh, vacation time oh jeremy i don't know what to do with you <laughs> killing me i told you this You're last week liar, and you completely jeremy. forgot about, about it but now we're just yeah, all right yeah. no, I'll that. <laughs> i might have to go solo so steve uh, cook will yeah i'll talk to steve see if i can get him that'd be good so 
All right. Anyway, that'll wrap Good us luck. up tonight. Thank you as always, Jeremy, even though you're horrible and leaving me. Um, that'll wrap up episode 59. <laughs> Remember, you can follow the 411 on Wrestling Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course, the 411mania.com website. Please make sure to subscribe to the show, share us around on social media, and if you have time, leave us a five-star review. Until next time, take care, everybody.